Welcome once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. It's that time of the month once again where we go through the previews catalogue. So it's going to be the usual scenario where we're going to be going through the Marvel books, the DC Connect Online catalogue, and also the main previews catalogue, and just give you guys a little bit of an insight into the things that we're looking forward to, the things that are definitely worthy of going on your pull list. We'll be going through it bit by bit. This is uh, the April previews book, and this is going to spotlight titles that are released in June of this year. So your host is always Alan, owner and operator of Coffee and Heroes, hopefully soon to be reopened, fingers crossed. Uh, I'm delighted as always to be joined by Mr. Miller. Keith, how are you? I am doing well this Saturday morning. Not very often we record on the weekend, Alan, is it? Not at all. It's in the a.m. and everything. Uh, very very early for everybody on a Saturday morning. <laughs> uh, it's always nice to roll out of bed and talk some comics so I can get on board with that. So you, you may have been just used to myself and Keith going through the previews books, but we've got a we've got a voice back, you know. He's ready to go. He's he's well rested, ready to step up. Welcome back, Roddy. How are you? Hello. Yeah, I am very good, guys. Thank you for having me back. How how have you all been? It, it hasn't been the same without you, Roddy. Ah, oh, stop. <laughs> Flattery will get yeah, you, you everywhere. Can say, you can say I'm like, I'm a, a returning uh, either hero or villain, whatever way you want to look at it from, you know, <laughs> say say they've taken a break from comic for a while and then they make their grand reappearance. That's what I'm doing. So I thought um, June's my birthday, so I thought I'd come on for the June previews and uh, yeah, just chat like old times. And then will that be you away again once the birthday's come and gone and you know you'll you'll just be out of here again. No, no, it's good to have yeah. you back, man. It's good to have you back. It's always well, always good with, with the previews catalogues because obviously I'm always seen as more of a DC guy, Keith's a Marvel guy, and you're you're the original indie guy and it's interesting going through reviews recently, how many times our picks of the week are indie and our pull list is very indie heavy and so forth. So we, we need you back to recommend even more indie stuff. Yeah, well, it's like it's like I never left, really. With like listening to you guys talk about it, it's all indie, indie, indie. Seems to be. <laughs> uh, I think you've, uh, I think you've, you've left your mark, Roddy. Is what it is. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. You sort of saw your work was done here and dropped the mic and walked yeah. out. So. <laughs> Maybe there's been a few too many DC and Marvel um, ones, you know, climbing to our picks yeah. of the week recently, and you thought time to get back to it. Yeah. Well, that's. Um, that's the magic of previews, isn't it? I love having a wee look through the book and seeing, you know, what sort of hidden gems you can find, um, especially from all the smaller sort of indie companies. That's the sort of stuff I love. You find some really interesting stuff in the previous book. So, yeah, um, shall we do it? Yeah, buddy. That we shall. So we always like to start off just with sort of a brief overview of the book, sort of what you can expect. Obviously, with DC, you know, just in case this is your first time with us, uh, DC released their catalog online now. You just go to Google, search DC Connect, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, and look for the latest issue. So the latest one is number 11. Jeez, they've been doing this for nearly a year now. Where has the last year gone? Uh, But yeah, if you look it up, you'll find DC Connect number 11. Uh, So with DC this month, for me anyway, I thought it was another strong month for DC. Uh, It's a month that really showcases the company's focus after Infinite Frontier. You know, and ensuring that there's something for everyone. You know, I look at the I look at the book, and their two biggest launches this month are a complete opposite ends of the spectrum. You have a very adult oriented prestige series launching through Black Label, and then a crossover that will appeal to fans not only within the comic world, but which has the potential to introduce a whole new audience to comics. 
Uh, there's a big emphasis on celebrating LGBTQ+, with Pride Month, including one-shots and variant covers, as well as reprints and showcases on already released titles. Uh, another DC character celebrates their 80th anniversary with the usual oversized issue, the usual ridiculous amount of variants, and uh, a wide array of talent contributing to it as well. And then finally, just uh, it's good to see once again Mr. Tinian is getting ready to unleash another horror creation. He's got quite the record and is clearly quite fond of the genre. He's obviously released great stuff through Boom and through Image, but he's going to be uh, releasing this one through DC Black Label. And there's lots of solid trades as well, which round out uh, an exciting month for DC, I think. So that's my take on DC. What can we expect from Marvel? Well, it's uh, June's going to be a pretty interesting month from, from Marvel as well. So on the X title side of things, we've got the, the not quite line-wide crossover of the Hellfire Gala event that is, I guess, leading the way in the, in the, in the previews book this month. There's the finale of the two-month-long Heroes Reborn event, uh, celebrating the, the 25th anniversary of, of uh, Liefeld and Lee's uh, Image Marvel relaunch of the uh, Marvel's core characters. The Star Wars comics of the War of the Bounty Hunters crossover stepping up into, into top gear, where obviously the, the, the series' iconic Bounty Hunter, uh, he it'll be taking place, you know, I guess, between the end of Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi as as uh, Boba Fett tries to get Han Solo's uh, frozen body back to Jabba the Hutt and just what happened there. And there's another iconic bounty hunter involved this year as Predator makes its return to the comics universe with the new ongoing series from Marvel. Obviously, uh, they've just launched uh, the Fantastic Alien this month, read the first issue of that. Uh, now they have the license and Predator comes along with that. So, uh, so that I'm really looking forward to that one. So from one ceremony to another, Doctor Doom's wedding gets into full swing in June's Fantastic Four with the the bride recently revealed to be the Latvian patriotic hero, Victorious. Uh, the FAF are getting involved in that celebration. And uh, meanwhile, uh, our one of our favourites, Kurt Busiek, will also be sharing a, a pre-Fantastic Four story of Reed Richards and, and Ben Grimm in his new ongoing series, The Marvels. Uh, as with uh, as with DC, there's going to be uh, a bit of an emphasis, an emphasis. Try and say that fast Saturday morning. An emphasis uh, on celebrating uh, LGBTQ plus, uh, you know, Pride Month uh, as well. Uh, the greatest power in the universe will be reinventing itself. The Infinity Stones are up to something in the Infinite Destinies crossover. There seems to be a lot of new characters. Seems to be setting up uh, Infinity Score and Black Cat. And they're talking about the destruction and reinvention of the, the Marvel Universe. There's six new characters being revealed across the annuals of a, a lot of different core books that are out this month. And Marvel Marvel has done that a lot in the past, you know, even as far back as the 60s and 70s, had like a series running through, you know, annuals. So it seems clear that with six new characters appearing, maybe the gems, the Infinity Gems, will be morphing into characters, but... Uh, that's just a that's just a theory from 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 reading the, the previews book uh i don't know if you can read these annuals separately or if they're tied together or whatever but um uh, we, we talked about war of the bounty hunters there's also as with with every month some great trade paperbacks and, and epic collections in here too i mean those epic collections are just going from strength to strength but uh yeah strong strong june for marvel uh how uh, are things looking on the indie side roddy well 
Um, it looks pretty fantastic by the looks of it. Um, you guys, you'll probably need to give me the lay of the land, what I've been kind of missing oh, yeah. last couple of months. But for me, this looks fantastic. It reminds me of like sort of the glory days of these these previous books where you get like loads of big image number ones. Um, so we're going to start off with image. Um, really strong month. One of their longest running series is going to have a shared universe with um, a jumping off point in Spawn's universe. Looks really interesting if you're a big Spawn fan. Then you have a comics legend returning to one of his most acclaimed miniseries um, with Jupiter's Legacy Requiem. Uh, that's Mark Miller. Um, seems to be like a bit of a Netflix tie-in as well to that. Um, then there's Image just seem to have like loads of cool-looking graphic novels, like sort of original graphic novels. And then there's loads and loads of different number ones, um, including like stuff for a young, young adult audience, which I think is pretty interesting for Image. And then, of course, we'll get to it a wee bit later, but there's three really hit series that we're all big fans of returning for new arcs. So looking forward to all that. Over at Dark Horse, again, seems to be the month of new number ones. Um, there's a lot of mostly horror stuff there. A lot of interesting looking, chilling stuff to go through. Then we've got um, Black Hammer, which is something I'm not a fan of, but I know a lot of people are. So there's a new number one of that sort of mini series. And then there's actually another video game thing. DC seemed to have got the big one. And Dark Horse has the, the sort of second Battle Royale video game in Apex Legends miniseries, but that might interest some. Um, IDW, they're celebrating a video game legend too with the 30th anniversary of Sonic, which wow. looks pretty cool, <laughs> yeah. 30, he's 30. Still younger than me. So. <laughs> I'm definitely older, uh, uh, younger than us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's some stunning art books as well which is really that's some cool stuff that idw seem to be doing and of course we're big fans of canto and idw seem to be doing quite a lot of young adult stuff that may you know interest fans of canto so definitely one to keep your eye on then over at boom there's again new number ones galore it seems to be that sort of month um and then they've also got their continuing titles too but the new number one seemed to be a great combination of horror. Seemed to be a lot of horror focus for June, which is a bit you wouldn't think about it. Um, but then there's they've got their horror titles, and then they've also they seem to cater quite a lot for the young adult readers too. Um, there's a couple of great original graphic novels there from Archaea. They're sort of smaller imprint, and of course. Um, the licensed stuff like Power Rangers and Buffy continues to expand and spin off. Um, so there's a lot of different stuff going on there. Um, the rest of the indie publishers look pretty strong. There's a lot of intriguing new series to seek out. And we were just saying earlier that Colin Bunn's name seems to be all over this. <laughs> this I think he's got about five titles launching. So um, yeah, it looks it looks a cracking month. Um, so definitely one of those months that there's a lot to pick up and have a look through and see see where you want to jump on and land. Yeah. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, that's always the the aim of this podcast. It's not just to showcase the stuff that we really love, but it's also to 
show jumping on points it's also to you know show the wide variety that's available throughout the comic world as well so we'll kick things off by going through uh, a deep dive into the marvel catalog so i know you're going to mostly take point in this keith obviously i'll i'll jump in with a few bits and pieces same with roddy but uh why don't you take us through uh the start of the marvel catalog Sure thing, and I have to say, it's just it's it's great to hear those dulcet tones talking about indie books again, Alan, isn't it? <laughs> it has been missed. It has been missed. So, uh, kicking off, uh, kicking off Marvel, uh, June is going to be the end of the the Heroes Reborn event, which, is, as I said, sort of in the intro, there is the the twenty fifth anniversary uh, of the original Heroes Heroes Reborn event. So we've got issue, issues five, six, and seven. Uh, and this, and then there's there's a bunch of there's a smattering of one shots over the two months around it, sort of reimagining characters that we know. But uh, issue seven sounds fantastic. Effectively, it seems that something is going to happen. We haven't started Heroes Reborn yet, but something is going to happen at the end of of Jason Aaron's run on Avengers here, current run on Avengers that that has the Squadron Supreme take over as the preeminent and will always have been the preeminent uh superhero force in the marvel universe so by the end we're, we're learning that together they ended the kree scroll war defeated dr doom and his secret war and even endured the, their own civil war between hyperion and nighthawk now those are all referencing things that the avengers were involved in the kree scroll war the secret war and i guess the civil war between hyperion and nighthawk would have been the civil war between iron man and captain america but now the Squadron Supreme of, Supreme of America face their greatest challenge yet, a mysterious new group of troublemakers called the Avengers. So looking forward to that. Uh, there are a couple of uh, there are a couple of the one shots that I'm really interested in. Heroes Reborn American Knights by Paul Grist and Christopher Allen. And that's gonna focus on police commissioner Luke Cage. Uh, and it looks like it's got a wee bit of a, a wee bit of a daredevil uh, tie in there as well. Uh, we have uh, Marvel Double Action, which is again a Heroes Reborn title by Tim Seeley and Dan Jurgens, uh, and it's a tale from the Squadron's past. Years ago, Nighthawk and his trusted partner, the Falcon, patrolled the streets of Washington D.C. Uh, you know, keeping it safe from violent criminals that lurk in the dark. But all that changed one fateful night. So uh, that's a great-looking cover, that too. Yeah, it, 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 they've 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 got it looking like an old-school '70s Marvel book. So. Uh, this is this is representing the first the first time ever the, the the night that Sam Wilson died. So a wee bit of history here. Yeah, I mean, uh, and it, then there's it, it definitely looks like a seventies comic book, but it's definitely not a CGC nine point eight. That one that looks uh, <laughs> that book looks tattered and well read as all comics should be. <laughs> yeah, and then and then you know the last one shot that I'm looking at here is the Heroes Reborn Weapon X and Final Flight, and that seems like a like an Alpha Flight sort of. The, the, this version of Alpha Flight and, and this Squadron Supreme World, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Wolverine's involved there. Uh, and then finally, uh, finishing off, Heroes Reborn. Back 25 years ago, whenever Heroes Reborn finished, the, the, all of the, the titles relaunched under the Heroes Return banner. So Captain America, Thor, and, and, and all, you know, Iron Man and, and Hulk. Fantastic. Everybody returned under the Heroes Return banner, and that's what we've got here. We've got a one-shot uh, 56 page one shot by Jason Aaron, Ed McGuinness, uh, who are leading this Heroes Reborn thing. Uh, just a, a Heroes Return one shot, and it's an epic oversized slugfest between the Squadron Supreme and an otherworldly group of Avengers for the final fate of the whacked out world of Heroes Reborn. So looking forward to that. Uh, so that's that's sort of Heroes Reborn. 
Now, the next thing that's really that's really got me is something that I know, Alan, you've you've been interested in, but uh, yeah, we, we we've talked about it, and that's the uh, the Hellfire Gala uh, in uh, the X books. Uh, so that is going to be uh, at the front of the book here. They've got a they've got a, an invite. You're cordially invited to the Hellfire Gala by the Hellfire Trading Company on the evening of the summer solstice. Host Emma Frost invites you to celebrate mutant culture and to strengthen Krakoa's friendships with the nation of man. Gates open at 7 p.m. GMT. Cocktail hour, telepathic concert, dinner, introduction to the new X-Men, Heroes of Krakoa, celebration and dancing, closing remarks from this year's host, Emma Frost, and a fireworks display. So this is, uh, it's running across sort of all of the X-Books, but I, I don't think that it is a crossover per se. I think you're going to be able to to see the events that are happening at the at the Hellfire Gala from the different points of view. Uh, so it, it is calling it a twelve part comics events, and they've been leading into it in the X books, Marauders especially, and X Men. And I guess, yeah, it's a public display of of what most X fans are already aware of that Marvel's mutants have evolved under Jonathan Hickman. So the story is that the White Queen and House Carnation have set out to create a special evening unlike any other. It's going to not look like any other galas you might have heard about. Uh, not going to look like any country fair, you know, or that sort of thing. It's it's not a contest or, or anything like that, like X of Swords, but it's like the whole world is watching is watching the, the X-Men. So it's starting with the, the Hellfire Gala Guide, which will be available on the 28th of April, uh, so before June. Uh, and then five weeks later, you'll have the first chapters of the the Hellfire Gala. Um, so yeah, it's looking it's looking looking really interesting. Uh, as I say, twelve issues. You know, apparently it's it's going to be something fairly historic, uh, and there can be critical moments that that occur that will shape the X Men's future. But of course, the key to all this is, up until now, the X Men haven't been a team in Hickman's universe. The X Men book has covered generally what's happening in Krakoa it usually follows Cyclops but what is happening here is that the, the, the civilians of Krakoa the people of Krakoa are voting for the first X team so we're going to see the the unveiling of the the, the first team of X-Men from Krakoa that have been voted for and that was also a public vote uh, which they did on Twitter so we were able to vote for for the X-Men uh, I know there was a big drive from Declan Shelby to vote for uh, to vote for Banshee I myself voted for Strong Guy I don't think strong guys in the X Men, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So that's so that is that is looking pretty good. Does that? Uh, oh, the so other thing, cool. it does, doesn't it? The other thing that that will really interest in you is there are connecting variant covers by Russell Dodderman, uh, formerly of uh, formerly of Thor, and in here as well we have uh, planet size X Men, which is uh, a, an extra large uh, an extra large. Um, book it is let me see 48 pages uh jerry dugan pepe laraz the hellfire gala rages on but bigger things are afoot uh, a word away make no mistake this is an x-men book drawn by superstar artist pepe laraz it's absolutely the most important issue of the month uh so that's in there and that all ties up in x-men 21 yeah i mean hellfire gala it's with myself anyway with reading x-men i prefer to read it now in trades or omnibuses uh obviously i picked up x of swords recently and I'll make sure to give that a read before Hellfire Gala hits. But I do like the idea of 
it not being essential that you pick them all up. I think that was one of the tough things with X of Swords because we'd have, you know, pull list customers who have X-Men, X-Force and say Excalibur in their pull list, but then they were just getting random parts of a bigger story. So I kind of like the idea of it just being from a different perspective at the same gala, so to speak. So it uh, it sounds like it can dip it's in. Nice. I mean, it's nice that it's on my birthday too, the summer solstice. So oh, really? But, okay. uh, you're you're fi- uh, you are fishing for. You're really letting us know that your birthday's yeah, in I'm June, just, like, aren't you? Just putting it out there, like <laughs> just, just putting it out there. So all um, all, all presents, uh, all presents, birthday cards, and uh, and money can be dropped to Coffee and Heroes, care yeah. of uh, care care of Coffee and Heroes, Parati. <laughs> Yes, oh, yeah. so it's uh, so yeah, it looks like as one event's obviously coming to an end in the Marvel book, you know, with Heroes Return, another one that kicks off with Hellfire Gala. I mean, the first thing that came to my attention, certainly that uh, will be straight on the pull list, is you know, you had mentioned in your intro that you know, one of the most famous science fiction bounty hunters has made its way to Marvel. Obviously, uh, Disney had a merger with Fox last year, took over all their properties, so they were able to get their hands on a lot of their other uh, film properties for the comics. So as you mentioned as well, I, I've read Alien Number One myself as well. I was really impressed with that. I thought mm. it captured the spirit of the movies brilliantly, and uh, it didn't detract from the movies, you know. So I, I thought it was awesome. So the, uh, June sees the launch of Predator Number One. Uh, so the creative team on this one is Ed Brisson writing and Kev Walker Oof. on art. That's a strong team. Uh, mm-hmm. I really hope there's an awesome, awesome variant cover by Raza which is sort of a, a night vision point of view from a soldier who's been attacked and the Predator's just there in all his glory, you know, skewering someone. But uh, to give you a little bit insight into story-wise what they're going for, so it's uh, under the tagline of Hunt, Kill, Repeat. Uh, in the near future, a young girl sees her family slaughtered by the deadliest and most feared hunter in the universe, a Predator. Years later, though her ship is barely holding together and food is running short, Theta won't stop stalking the spaceways until the monster who killed her family is dead. Or she is. I mean, nothing, nothing strikes uh, like a good revenge story. It doesn't seem to specify how long a run they're going for. It just has it down as forty pages, number one, so oversized, which is always good. Uh, yeah, there's variants there: Ram Brown, Philip Tan. Of course, there's a Peach Momoko. Of course, there's a Scotty Young. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, the, they've done a really good job. You know, Alien was was great. I, I was really impressed. With it. It's it's up there for pick of the week material this week. So uh, I look, forward well, pre- look forward to Predator. I sort of fallen out of love with like the Marvel and DC stuff, and I wasn't too sure about picking up Alien. Not to derail this conversation a wee bit, but um, I don't know. Something about it just doesn't feel right when marvel picked it up almost i don't know what's what's going through my mind but you know predator doesn't really strike me as a series that should have a i i love peach mamuku's artwork but you know it doesn't really say predator to me you know this cool <laughs> 80s franchise but maybe i'm just maybe i'm just turning i don't know well i mean that was maybe i have was... to fall back in love with it or something i don't know I was going to ask you, Roddy. You know what your thoughts were on on that. You know, just that 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 change of license, and and you've just you've just given them to us. But you know, I got to say, uh, the the Alien book was fantastic. Uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson, who wrote The Last God uh, for yeah. for DC, which was very much it was a DC book. It was under Black Label, but it was not a DC book uh, by any stretch mm-hmm. of the imagination. That he's He's a great writer, and Salvador Larocca is a—I mean, he's a Marvel legend. He just makes the book look fantastic, and it—it it doesn't look like it's pulling any punches just because it's one of the big two. You know, it's not—it doesn't seem to be playing it too safe. 
Um, the story sort of, you know, has a has a father who is returning from the Whalen Yutani uh, space station, trying to reunite with his family. Meanwhile, his son is involved in a, an anti corporate uh, action, and so it's not it's not safe. Uh, it's not uh, Mickey Mouse by any means. Uh, so I, I <laughs> give it a whirl. Give give it a whirl. I think uh, I think you'll like All it. Right. I think you'll like it. Yeah, and, they even uh, managed to to weave a character in from the Alien franchise. I'll obviously not spoil who, but they use that character in a really really interesting way as well. So it has enough it has enough links oh, to the previous. I, I think... But yeah, it it's de- definitely telling its own yeah. story. You know, with this Predator book, uh, Ed Breeson uh, did a, had a great run on Iron Fist, a great run on, on Ghost Rider. So I mean, Ed Breeson's a, he's just a fantastic writer. Uh, so I'm looking I'm looking forward to this one as well. I have to say some some great covers as well. Um, so the, the next one that's sort of grabbing me is maybe one that will grab you as well, Alan. You've been reading uh, Immortal Hulk, mm-hmm. uh, Al Ewing, haven't you? I have indeed. Yeah. So this is uh, Gamma Flight. Uh, is the first, it's the first of a five-issue mini by Al Ewing and uh, Crystal Fraser uh, with art by uh, Lan Medina. Um, so Gamma Flight spins out of the Immortal Hulk. Uh, if you recall, Gamma Flight are the, the space-based um, organization led by Puck and featuring Sasquatch and, and a number of others. Uh, so that's that, that's that team. They've been in the... They've kind of been good guys and bad guys in the Immortal Hulk, but so this is Gamma Flight. They, they had one job, finding a way to stop the Hulk, but when push came to shove, they sided with the Green Goliath, and the human world intends to make them regret it. Puck, Absorbing Man, Titania, uh, Doc, Doc Sasquatch, and Dr. Charlene McGowan, and a horribly changed Rick Jones are fugitives from every known authority, but a team that full of Gamma is bound to break before long. Uh, so this is this is a whole new, a whole new tech and the thing. I've always been a fan of, of uh, the Canadian team Alpha Flight, uh, which is what we're, where Wolverine was spawned from. So anything with any members of that, in this case, it's Puck and Sasquatch. Uh, I'm really interested in, and as you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for anything Al Ewing does. Uh, what do you think on that, Alan? Yeah, I mean Al Ewing's involvement is never a bad thing. You know, Immortal Hulk is always going to be his baby. I think so. It's it's good to see that he'll have the involvement. Five issue miniseries. It is a bunch of characters that I'm not overly familiar with. So yeah, go into it with an open mind and, and give it a go. Al Ewing is usually depe- more than dependable. Sweet. Um, there's a there's a lovely uh, lovely cover by Lionel Francis Yu as well. Uh, so I'll be I'll be looking to grab that. So. Another name that, uh, as you know, I've been following closely is uh, Christopher Cantwell, who is currently writing a fantastic run on what, Alan? Iron Man. <laughs> so you Christopher find Cantwell. a way. You find a way every episode. <laughs> Reviews, previews, doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> So Christopher Cantwell and uh, Josh Truello are on writing duties, uh, joining Dale Eaglesham and uh, uh, Jan Baz Aldua uh, on a book that's celebrating the 80th anniversary of Captain America. And that's The United States of Captain America, number one of five, with a fantastic Alex Ross wraparound cover uh, showing Falcon, Steve, uh, US Agent and, uh, and Bucky as, as Captain America. So the, the story of this, again, an 80-year celebration of, of, of Captain America, the shield has been stolen. No one understands the value of the shield like those who have wielded it. So Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson set out on a road trip 
across America to chase down the thief, but instead they find the captains. Everyday people from all walks of life who've taken up the mantle of Captain America to defend their communities. And for some reason, the shield thief wants them all dead. So can Steve and Sam get to them first? Christopher Cantwell and Dale Eaglesham uh, lead a can't-miss miniseries to celebrate Cap's 80th anniversary, joined by a rotating uh, series of creative teams to tell the story of each new captain, starting with uh, Aaron Fisher, the Captain America of the Railways, brought to life by Josh Trullo and uh, Jan Bazaluda. So that is uh, that is looking really yeah. good. I'm really excited sounds, for that. I think this one sounds really good. Um, Captain America of the Railways had me in, had me sort of thinking about dust belt in america sounds right up my streets um i think you can actually get the variant cover by nick robles um there's a a teaser at what that captain america will look like so yeah like i think this could this could have the potential to be something special do you see how we're slowly bringing roddy back to the big two here (laughs) you know alien predator And, then, and it's going to be the well, next one as well, uh, hopefully as well. Yeah, so the next one is is certainly one that I'm looking forward to. I know Keith didn't pick up on this in the first issue, but I absolutely loved the first issue, which was uh, Demon Days. Uh, so this is the Peach Momoko written and drawn five-issue miniseries. Now, it is going to come out uh, at a slightly sedate pace. This is only part two of what's going to be five. But each issue of it seems to be a uh, concentrated one-shot anyway. So with this one, it's going to be Demon Days Mariko. Uh, so again, a number one, Peach Momoko writing and on art. Some beautiful looking variants there as well. David Mack, Jen Bartel. And then there's a few others mentioned, Mahmoud Azrar, J. Scott Campbell. So, you know, top level creators are coming to support this series. So for this one, the Demon Days saga by Stormbreaker Peach Momoko continues. Mariko Yashida hears mysterious voices and has strange dreams that feel real. Her redheaded maid who dresses all in black... Hmm, who could that be? Uh, might know more than she lets on. What is the connection between Mariko, the creatures called Oni, and Kirisaka Mountain? Find out in the next installment of this tale of magic, monsters, and Marvel characters like you've never seen before. Book two of five of the Demon Days saga. Again, issue one, it was it was a unique take on uh, classic X-Men characters. It's very whimsical. It's very folksy. It's very fairy tale-esque. Again, I, I make a joke that Peach Momoko is everywhere. And I mean, you literally turn the cover in the previews book and she's doing a uh, a variant for Shang-Chi number two. But her art style really suits this tale. I mean, I, I love this first issue. I know my enthusiasm may have dragged you in, Roddy. What were your thoughts on it? Spilled over to me too, yeah. Um, she should just do, you know, sequential arts, in my opinion. Oh, it's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous looking book. It gave me um, serious. Is it sixteen oh two kind of vibes? Only set Ooh. in or is it was sixteen oh two or eighteen oh two? Sixteen oh two. Yeah, remember. Yeah, it was Neil Gaiman, um, wasn't it? Yeah, because um, that's the sort of stuff I like to really dive in with your Marvel or DC. You know, the tightly contained stuff where I know it's gonna end. It's not gonna spin out into all these kind of variants and you know, one shots and all annuals and all, I think that can feel a wee bit daunting. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely love the first one. So I'm really, really intrigued by this. Um, I just love the way that she, you know, twisted the characters. Um, Venom in particular was really yeah. pretty cool in the that first one. 
Yeah. No, I'm really glad you enjoyed it dude. I, I always worry when I recommend something or you want to make sure people people enjoy it and you'd be right up your alley but I thought my perception was slightly skewed because I'd been watching a lot of Naruto recently and it just had that folksy <laughs> manga folklore yeah. feeling. What have we got next up then, Keith? I see we've uh, got something happening with your boy. Yeah, so we've got in June in The Amazing Spider-Man under Nick Spencer with uh, Marcello Ferreira on art, The Chameleon Conspiracy, which is a storyline that is going to be contained within within the one month uh, amongst uh, Spider-Man 67, 68, 69, and also a giant-sized Amazing Spider-Man called Amazing Spider-Man Chameleon Conspiracy, which is the name of the story. This is in the wake of King's Ransom. King's Ransom is a story that's kicking off at the minute. Spider-Man, Boomerang, Kingpin, uh, looking for the the, the Lifeline tablet. Um, I think it is what it is what it was called, and involving Gog, you know, their their little pet that changes into a giant monster. That uh, there was a lovely story about. Do you remember a few months ago? Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, this is you know where last remains and those stories you know spread across a number of months. This is all contained within within three or four issues. So in the wake of King's Ransom, Spidey's journey takes a big turn. Uh, the revelation of giant size, uh, Amazing Spider-Man, King's Ransom, which was the giant size that finished off that story, was huge, but you don't understand the half of what it actually means. But you should know that the chameleon is making his biggest play ever as the chameleon spirit conspiracy begins here. And then, uh, as I say, it runs through uh, 67, 68, 69, and then finishes off uh, in the giant size Amazing Spider-Man Chameleon Conspiracy one-shot. So it seems what Nick Spencer is doing here is he's sort of cycling through uh, Spider-Man's classic villains. You know, we've got Kingpin, we've got uh, Chameleon here, so are we expecting Doc Ock? Are we expecting the Vulture next? Uh, so I think that's that's what, it, you know, month by month he seems to be cycling through those, those classic Spidey villains. I don't know, you know, I say Kingpin, you think Daredevil. Always, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I'm really interested. It's I mean Nick Spencer's. Uh, he's I'm I'm falling in love with with Spider-Man all over again. I'm just I'm wondering how long this new costume will last. You know this, the idea that uh, that Peter is so strapped for cash that he had to to take money from the threats and menaces uh, online blog and wear a costume that allows them their readers to see whatever he sees, which. I can only imagine it's going to end in tears because all you need is one of Spidey's villains to log on, see what Spider-Man's doing and what he's seeing, and you know it. It seems like a big, like a big issue. But yeah, so from from one uh, from one uh, long run to the end of another. Uh, so again, celebrating Cap's uh, eighty years, we have Captain America thirty, and that's going to be the final issue that uh, Tanahisi Coates is on Captain America. So that's been a thirty issue run, uh, and it's the I say it's it's Coates' final final issue of the landmark run which is a run that i think i'm going to pull out and read all over again uh because i i think there's there's a lot going on there that maybe i wasn't i wasn't picking up on but the all day young story ends here uh and it's going to be an all-out fight uh, to the finish with the the red skull and the power elite lovely alex ross uh, cover there as well um it's uh you know cap surrounded by by people he's in color and they're all in, in black and white uh which is, is really interesting really interesting comment uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what's next for Cap as well. Yeah, no, uh, no creative team mentioned or anything like that, nope. so I'll be definitely curious to to see who takes over that. I remember when Wade and Samley took over Captain America, I was so excited, and then it lasted like five issues. I know, I know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll be curious to see what the creative team taking over that is. I'd mentioned before about 
you know, wanting to let people know about starting points and, and things like that. So this month actually sees the release of um, Thor number 15. And this is going to be a bit of a jumping on point as well because the absolutely epic storyline that we're all enjoying at the moment, Prey, finishes oh. in issue 14. And then this is going to be issue 15. Uh, still Nick Klein on art, still Donny Cates on writing. And this would be a good jumping on point. You'll be able to certainly trade read to catch up in the meantime. But... Yeah, number 15 is, uh, you know, the wounds of Donald Blake have not yet healed and new hell is afoot. With all inhabitants back in Asgard and Odin's presence returned after being away so long, an air of tension now sits upon the throne. Father and son, all father and all father, Odin and Thor. Is this relationship forever doomed? And what does it mean for the, te- the, the ten realms? So, it actually says, just looking at it a little closer, it says yeah. artist Nick Klein, but it actually says join the new Thor artist, Alessandro Vitti, for the start of a New York. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I'd be curious. Maybe, maybe staying on doing covers or something, but they have a beautiful Olivier Coupel uh, cover there. Shall we uh, Shall we nip into Star Wars Corner? Go for it. Uh, convince okay, Roddy so... why he should be reading Star Wars. Because <laughs> you're not going to be convinced, is that what you're saying? <laughs> I try, I try. So we're... <laughs> We're keying up uh, Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters at war for the greatest prize of all, Han Solo. So, as I said, this uh, this falls uh, after Empire Strikes Back as uh, Boba Fett transports the frozen and carbonite Han Solo towards Jabba and exactly, exactly what happens. Uh, so, this is going to run across Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters five-issue miniseries. Uh, so we've got number one uh, this issue this this month in, in June. So Charles Soule, Steve McNiven, what's not to like? Uh, some some cool variant covers as well. It says nobody steals from Boba Fett. The notorious bounty hunter will not stop until he gets what's rightfully his. For the thief, no corner of the galaxy is safe. Good thing for them that the Rebel Alliance, the Empire, and every bounty hunter in the galaxy is standing in Boba's way. Uh, with the last page revealed, it will blow this Death Star-sized story wide open. Issue 1 is just the beginning. The biggest crossover in Star Wars history will continue raging through the pages of War of the Bounty Hunters event, miniseries, and tie-in Star Wars, Dr. Aphra, Darth Vader, and Bounty Hunters through October. Only one Bounty Hunter will be left standing, and the Star Wars galaxy will never be the same again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think it's it's so it's running through the five issues, but it's also tying into the, the, the four Star Wars titles. Now, I'm only on two of them. I'm on Star Wars and, and Darth Vader, and Star Wars seems to be following uh, Lando and Chewie on the Millennium Falcon, uh, obviously there in the in the search for for Han Solo. So that seems to be a a story of its own. Likewise, I think Doctor Afra and Bounty Hunters will be following those characters, but I think those will be stories of their own. Uh, and likewise, then Darth Vader by Greg Pak, which I'm on anyway. Uh, is involved but again i think it's a story of its own so i think if you're on the five issue mini you can probably just pick and choose what else you want in that war a realm sort of way um so i'm not gonna i don't think i'm gonna jump on the dr afra or bounty hunters for this i think i'm just gonna stay on star wars stay on darth vader and pick up the mini series um so don't be too worried about, about breaking the bank if you if you're interested and, and want to get involved in in that one what do you reckon alan or roddy even because well (laughs) the art art looks absolutely stunning steve mcniven um i think he does the colors as well and that one looks absolutely gorgeous but i i I like star wars but i have no idea what's going on so 
probably give it a miss. Okay, but, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, I think, but it, I think if you understand the the classic trilogy, if you know that at the end of one movie, you know, uh, Han Solo is frozen in carbonite and Boba Fett takes him away at the start of the next movie, he's in Jabba's palace. This is that. This is what happens in that space, you know. So I don't know if you need to know anything else. That's sort of that's sort of is is an end to the uh, the Marvel single issues in June. But I mean, there's some pretty some pretty cool trades and some pretty cool epic collections uh, in there as well. So we've got the. Uh, do you remember the history of the Marvel Universe by Mark Waid? Six issue yes. mini. That's the one. So we've got the trade paperback of that with a. With a lovely Steve McNiven cover, um, it's the greatest story ever told. I love, <laughs> I love how they've used that, uh, and you've never seen it like this. With writer Mark Wade and artist uh, Javier Rodriguez, weave together a sprawling, interconnected web of stories in one seamless narrative that takes you from the dawn of the Marvel universe all the way to its end. Far more than a collection of moments you may already know, this is a new tale featuring previously unknown secret and shocking revelations, connecting dozens of threads from Marvel's past and future. So it's a wee bit of a a wee bit of a retcon from the, the Big Bang to the Twilight of Existence. This sweeping saga covers every significant Marvel event, providing fresh look uh, at all characters of all eras, and it collects that 2019 uh, six-issue series. It was it was fantastic for a, a long-term Marvel fan. I know you read it as well, Alan. Uh, yeah, I did indeed. It was uh, quite the the large epic. I mean, I I waited for all six issues to come out because I just thought there was so much to take in. I thought it read better and certainly will in this format as a trade as opposed to to single issues. So, but yeah, well, worth it for the art art alone, baby. Honest by Javier Rodriguez. There's a treasury edition of Wolverine Black, White, and Blood uh, coming out, softback treasury edition. Uh, Ream of names on that: uh, Jerry Duggan, Matt Rosenberg, Declan Shelby, Chris Claremont, Saladin Ahmed, uh, Vita Ayala, Adam Kubert, Joshua Casara, Salvador La Roca, Kev Walker, Greg Land, and Jorge Fornes. Uh, you've read that, haven't you, Alan? I have read it, and I've also uh, I'm I'm the proud owner of an original page of it. Although I say I'm the proud owner, it was a present for Vicky, but what's hers is mine, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I managed to snag a, a Declan Shelby page from it, but but yeah, with the, the it seems to be very in vogue at the moment, and we'll we'll get onto it with the DC one as well. There's another anthology one launching this month. These can be a little hit and miss when they're hit. They're fantastic, which, you know, I thought Superman Red and Blue, for example, was excellent. Batman Black and White was excellent. Wolverine Black, White and Blood was excellent. But I know you and I weren't really feeling this week Carnage, Red, White and Blood. No, didn't do it for me. I mean, despite the fantastic writers on it, it maybe the the compilation nature of it. it I don't know. It just there wasn't enough going on for me to get my teeth into. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, which is, you know, it's just one of those things. You win some, you lose some. Yeah, but but Wolverine Black, White, and Blood I thought was great. It was it was only four issues, but yeah, such diversity, such great range of talent. Um, so it's it's definitely worth picking up. It I think it's also worth just mentioning quickly as well. So um, we've obviously talked about X Men and talking about the Hellfire Gala and so forth. There seems to be a slight uh, change for how the X Men uh, titles are being collected for trade paperback. So since Jonathan Hickman's run started, they've been doing these Dawn of X trade paperbacks, which have had all the issues of X-Men and Wolverine and X-Force, etc., etc. So it's sort of all in reading order. Coming out of the events of X of Swords, they're now rebranding it and putting it back to Volume 1, and it's called Reign of X as opposed to Dawn of X. So the first uh, volume launches this month, and it'll contain uh, issues of Sword, X-Men, X-Factor, and Hellions. So if you're enjoying reading it through trades, just be aware it will change from Dawn of X to Reign of X. 
Okay, and um, yeah, I mean those those collected editions, those epic editions are, are are doing really really good stuff. I think at Marvel at the minute, there's uh, a new printing of Volume One. If you want to jump on to Doctor Strange back at the very start in the uh, Stanley uh, and uh, Steve Ditko years but there's one that's that's really jumping out at me and that's captain america epic collection number 14 the captain and the reason it's jumping out at me is because we've all seen either the first one or first two episodes of uh of uh falcon and winter soldier uh i trust i'll not say anything to spoil anything i haven't watched episode two yet but at the end of episode one we were introduced to the marvel universe the marvel cinematic universe version of a of a character that's been a mainstay in the in the Marvel comic universe for for many many years, and uh, that's U.S. Agent, the man who John Walker, the man who uh, who wielded the shield whenever uh, whenever Steve stepped down, having had disagreements with the government. So this epic collection number fourteen covers the introduction of you know, John Walker of of the U.S. Agent as Captain America and Cap stepping down and and the eventual. Uh, return of the shield so that's captain america epic collection 14 and that just i guess that just ties into uh into what's going on in the tv universe uh just at the minute which is why i mention it and that brings an end to marvel for june so another expensive month through marvel then for both of our wallets <laughs> it would appear uh yeah so that as keith says that uh, incorporates all of marvel so we're going to then move on to dc before roddy takes us through all of the indie stuff so as i said with dc it's a it's a strong month for me again i think and i definitely spotlighted at the the top of the show that it's a month where there really is something for everyone through the the dc catalog i think you know, it's it's kicking things off with a crossover event that I'll be honest, I don't have a lot of interest in because I don't play the computer game. But it's the kind of thing that might attract new readers to comics. It's the kind of thing that might just widen the audience as well. So DC are very front heavy with this, and it looks like it's going to be a weekly event as well as each issue is solicited here, and that is Batman Fortnite Zero Point. Uh, it is. I, I like that it's not script by. It's story consultant and concept by uh, Donald Mustard. You have pencils by Riley Brown. Uh, cover by Mikel Yannon as well. And it, it sounds in. It actually does sound kind of interesting. But I just don't know if it'll bring me into it because I'm just not a Fortnite guy. But the thing that's definitely worth considering as well, if you are in the Fortnite, each issue actually includes a redeemable code for a new digital skin in Fortnite, which is inspired by the comic. So. For example, I don't even know what that means. So <laughs> let me let me put it in terms that I would understand. So if you're playing Batman Arkham Asylum and you have the Arkham Asylum skin to play the main game as, you can change it to the Batman Incorporated uh, suit or you can change it to the Batman Animated Series suit. That's what I'm understanding, but you can tell this is a bunch of old guys talking about Fortnite. Sorry, Roddy, I'm lumping you in with this. Uh, and this is birthday in junior. He is a year older in junior, right? So, uh, so yeah. So, for example, issue one comes with a new rebirth Harley Quinn outfit, you know, and then it'll be different characters each time. But the concept of it is is a, a crack splits in the sky above Gotham City, a tear in reality itself. This rift pulls the Dark Knight into a bizarre and unfamiliar world with no memory of who he is or where he came from. Batman has been drawn into Fortnite. As our hero fights to recall his past and escape an endless loop of chaos and struggle, he'll come face to face with the likes of, I'll mention a bunch of characters none of us know, Renegade Raider, Fishstick, Bandelier and more. 
While the world's greatest detective strives to make sense of this strange new world, he'll uncover the shocking truth about the island, what lies beyond the loop, and how everything is connected to the mysterious Zero Point. So, there's also going to be other DCU characters in it as well as Batman. The cover depicts Harley Quinn, Catwoman as well there. So, if you're into Fortnite, it's probably going to be Nirvana for you. Believe it or not, the pre-orders for this are already big in the store from people who I wasn't... imagine so. Well, let's put it this way, Roddy. Issue three of this, Batman versus Snake Eyes. Oh, <gasps> what? Yeah. Whoa, you didn't tell me that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so as I say, it's. Uh, I did. I did see the other week they they had a team up. Yeah. So if you look at issue three, for example, Batman versus Snake Eyes. That's it. That's the solicit. You heard us, Batman versus Snake Eyes. Yes, that that's Snake Eyes. Worlds collide on the island as G.I. Joe's <laughs> unstoppable ninja clashes with the Dark Knight. So Roddy might not be getting all those issues, but he's definitely getting issue three. <laughs> and for those who can't see us, he's nodding away. Uh, so yeah, so again, the, the pre-orders on that are huge so far. I'm, I've been very surprised to say. But uh, yeah, it might be a way of getting you know your kids into comics or you know a, a brand new audience, as I say. I was just going to say, like we always say, like it's a good jumping on point. Imagine if you're like a kid going into, you know, a comic book store. I think it is, you know, I mean, we can, we can, you know, we can kind of laugh about it and all. And, you know, we don't understand Fortnite, but, you know, I think for kids, it's probably a great, it's a great place to delve into comics. If you're picking up that, um, then, you know, you can go batman the animated adventure or whatever or Mm -hmm. batman 66 or just jump on off from there Mm. yeah wholeheartedly agree the races you go wholeheartedly agree i mean i have a have a eight-year-old nephew and he's on Fortnite all the time and i've tried to gift him comics you know to try and get him into and he's had zero interest but i guarantee you his uh his interest will rise when i when i hand him issue one of that so So yeah, next so, title up I think is uh I think I'll let Keith take point on probably his his favorite DC writer I would say. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong and uh, and onto something we maybe do understand uh, marginally better. Uh <laughs> Infinite Frontier number 1 by Joshua Williamson and art by Zermanico who is quickly becoming one of my favorite DC artists. Uh this is the first of a 6 issue mini. Uh, leading on from, I guess, uh, Infinite Frontier number zero uh, last month, which reintroduced us to the new soft relaunch of the, the DC universe following Dark Knight's death metal. So this this seems to follow those characters that don't have actual books, uh, you know, those those, those characters and, and, and where they are in the, the, the post-death metal universe. So when our heroes uh, saved the multiverse from Perpetua and Dark Knight's death metals, everything was put back where it belonged. And we do mean everything. All the damage from all the crises was undone and heroes long thought gone returned from whatever exile they had been in, most of them at least. Alan Scott, the Green Lantern from the Justice Society of America, has noticed some of his allies are still missing in action and he's determined to find them. There are others, though, who would rather remain hidden than explain themselves, like Roy Harper, also known as Arsenal, a man who should be dead but now is not. Uh, Plus, what does all this mean for the DCU's place in the multiverse? On opposite sides of a dimensional divide, both Barry, Alan and present superman ponder this question not to mention the dark side of it all uh, or a team of multiversal heroes called justice incarnate so there's there's a lot going on here a lot lot uh, that pulls on threads from uh infinite frontier infinite zero issue uh and that so yeah i'm glad i'm really glad to see it i'm really glad to see it under under the the watchful eye of joshua williamson as well he seems to be 
leading the way a lot with this uh, this post Dark Knights death metal stuff. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I I know uh, Scott Snyder has been very vocal about the fact he wants to focus on his indie stuff and and so forth. So Joshua Williamson seems like a perfect fit to take over. Obviously, he's huge experience with you know the Flash through DC and and multiple other titles, Batman, Superman, etc. So. Just when you thought Barry Allen was out of the DC universe and uh, your, your favorite one had been put back to his rightful place, he's appearing here. So yeah, it's going to be six issues. Picks up directly from Infinite Frontier. Now, if you're a regular of ours and you picked up Infinite Frontier issue zero, I've kept this on your pull list because it, it continues on. It was kind of a one-shot launching series, but it ties in so much that I've left it on. If it's a case if you don't want it on, just drop us a message, but just don't want you guys missing out. So that's Infinite Frontier number one. Uh, there is also a secret files coming as well, which you know you've got a, a team up of writers on this one and artists. You know Joshua Williamson taking point again, Brandon Thomas, Stephanie Phillips, and Dan Waters, and then art you've got Aniki Miranda, Valentin Delandro, Stephen Byrne, and more as well. So uh, that'll be a that'll be a tie-in one. Now that's not one that I would stick on. You know the Poliska secret files is kind of a it's it's if you want even more detail so to speak so uh that'll be and plus it's a ten dollar title i'm not we're not the kind of store that just sticks on ten dollar titles onto your pull list without asking so never have to worry about that uh the next one up is one that i'm interested in because of the writer but the character does nothing for me tell me tell me why i should read this keith well, I mean, I don't think I have to convince you because Tom <laughs> King's the writer. Uh, I mean, uh, very true. Very <laughs> enough, true. enough of the theatrics alone. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I've been interested, got interested in Supergirl through uh, through more recent Superman runs uh, and how she's been used, and and I guess that the direction that her her character has has gone in. So we've got Tom King on writing, we've got uh, Bill Quasevely on on art. So what I'm going to do is I'm I'm going to give it the first first issue or two and see how it goes it's an eight issue mini um but it's the, the solicit says car Zor-El has seen some epic adventures over the years but finds her life without meaning or purpose here she is a young woman who saw her planet destroyed and was sent to earth to protect a baby cousin who ended up not needing her what was it all for wherever she goes people only see her through the lens of superman's fame and just when supergirl thinks she's had enough everything changes an alien girl seeks her out for a vicious mission her world has been destroyed and the bad guys responsible are still out there. She wants revenge and if Supergirl doesn't help her, she'll do it herself, whatever the cost. Now, a Kryptonian, a dog and an angry, heartbroken child head out into space on a journey that will shake them to their very core. So, uh, I mean, I, the, it just sounds interesting. Um, mm-hmm. it's, and Crypto's in there as well. Uh, so, <laughs> can't, can't complain. Oh, nice. So, that's definitely a win for you. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I'm fine, right? I'm going to jump on this because it is Tom Keen. It is an interesting... Uh, format with eight issues normally he is the the king of the 12 issue format but uh just going to be the eight issues for this one so uh definitely keep an eye out for that uh something else uh dc are focusing a lot on this month as well is pride month uh they are going to be doing a bunch of different things to sort of celebrate this month there's going to be a a one-shot dc pride number one there's going to be a bunch of variant covers there's going to be a series launching crush and lobo which you know anything that brings lobo into dc i'm on board with unless of course it's that horrible new 52 lobo but they're also going to be spotlighting a lot of classic uh titles as well so for example tom taylor's suicide squad is coming out uh, bad blood and hardcover 
uh, as well, although that actually comes out in April. You've got Batman, uh, Batwoman, sorry, Elegy, which was a brilliant run by Greg Rucka, uh, art by J.H. Williams III. But yeah, the one shot itself, it has a who's who of talent involved. You've got James Tinian involved, you've got Mariko Tamaki, Steve Orlando, Vita Ayala, Nicole Maines, Danny Lohr, Sam Johns. You've got art by Klaus Janssen, Amy Reader, Stephen Byrne, Rachel Stotts. You know, you've a ton of great talent involved here. And this is one that's going to uh, have nine all-new stories. And it's going to feature characters such as Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, Midnighter, Extrano, Batwoman, Aqualad, Alan Scott, etc., etc. So, yeah, I'll, I'll jump on, on board that. The artwork looks great for it. It's, it's very bright. It's very colorful. It's very hopeful. It's very, you know... For, for lack of a better term, it just sort of celebrates joy, if nothing else. Um, and then, yeah, there's the Crushing Lobo miniseries, which is going to be eight issues as well, which has got my interest as well because Mariko Tamaki's writing that, and I think she's done great work so far with Future State Dark Detective and then the first issue of Detective Comics that hit last week. And art on that one is by Amana K. Nahalapan. So, yeah, they're, they're celebrating the big style here, and, and again, there'll be tons of different variants and different things involved, so... Uh, just drop us a message and we can uh, guide you on that. I don't think uh, I don't think we're going to get marching uh, for uh, for the pride uh, in Belfast this year either. Unfortunately, with a with the social distancing and uh, and the lockdown stuff, but uh, but you never know. We might get a coffee and heroes contingent out. Yeah, I, I think we yeah, can. Maybe I think we can space around the stories, Lena. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good stuff. So uh, so yeah, so from that to probably. Uh, you know, we're hoping to open in the next couple of weeks for a click and collect service. I've mentioned it before. And, you know, once we do, I'm going to get back to putting our, our most anticipated titles on the board because that seemed to be something people liked. And and this is definitely, without a doubt, my most anticipated title for June. And that is Batman. I know, shock horror. Reptilian. This is a new Black Label miniseries. Uh, Keith, you will be delighted to know it is regular-sized Black Label. Is it? I was going to ask you to... I was mm-hmm. gonna, I, I put it in my pull list, but I put it in my pull list under the condition that it's not stupid <laughs> size. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, I'm really glad you could to hear do that. that. Yeah. All, all, all of his Black Label ads come with a little caveat, with a little caveats, star beside them. Yeah. If this arrives and is silly-sized, take it off. <laughs> um, but no, so this is Batman Reptilian, and this is very much a classic era looking. It looks like a Vertigo title almost to me, based on the preview art so far. So you've got a great team on this. You've got Garth Ennis writing, and you've got Liam Sharp. So you you definitely know it's going to be an adult title, and you've got Liam Sharp on art now that he's finished up his run on Green Lantern season two with Grant Morrison. Looking at the preview art for this, this looks like Arkham Asylum to me. The the painted artwork is glorious um so to give you a little idea of story-wise what strikes fear into the hearts of those who terrorize gotham it used to be batman but something far more frightening than a mere man stalks the shadows and it's after gotham's villains how savage must a monster be to haunt the dreams of monsters pick up this dark and bone chilling tale by comics legends garth ennis and liam sharp to find out it doesn't seem to specify how many issues it's going to be. Obviously, with being black label, it will be a limited series. I'd, I would hazard a guess at maybe six issues uh, there thereabouts. And yeah, I yeah. can't wait for that. I'll be having a bit of this, I think. I did see, um, I was looking at some preview stuff there. And on, I think it was Screen Rant said it was going to be six issue miniseries. Mm-hmm. So just confirming that. There's also... 
hopefully you'll get enough orders. There's did you see the awesome uh, one to twenty five? Alright, Bill Sigovitz. Yeah, looks awesome. Um yeah, I can't wait for that. I think I'll be jumping right on that. <laughs> see, we're bringing him back, Keith. There's, there's DC and Marvel titles <laughs> he's well, jumping it's, it's Garth Garth Ennis as well. It's <laughs> he's a, he's our boy from Northern Ireland, so you have to I think you have to support that too. No, absolutely. For sure. So we'll look forward to that. And then there is another Batman title that very much caught the eye this month. And which one is that, Keith? Oh, yeah, buddy. That is Batman The Adventures Continue Season 2, number one. Uh, so continuing the continuing the adventure continue. So <laughs> this is the comic continuation of Batman The Animated Series. Uh, the first season of it was, which is why they're presenting it as seasons. The first season of it was fantastic. Yeah. We had the, the Red Hood in there. We had uh, Deathstroke the Terminator. Uh, so it continues to to introduce characters that weren't necessarily in the original animated series into into the animated series and in that animated series style. So uh, written by Alan Burnett and Paul Dini, who else? And art by Ty Timbleton. Gotham City is changing. After Mayor Hill is killed by a mysterious assailant, Batman finds himself tracking down an ancient order that's long been buried under the streets of Gotham. Alan. Yes. Very much, yes. <laughs> the Court of Owls. So they're introducing the Court of Owls, uh, Scott Snyder's PS de Resistance in Batman into the animated universe. But what does this group have to gain from the death of Mayor Hill and how can Deadman help the Dark Knight? Oh, Court, of Owls, Court of Owls into the animated series, just an absolute no-brainer. You've got this lovely cover from Riley Rossmo with Batman and Deadman on there and the, sort of the, the silhouette of uh, the Court of Owls behind. So I cannot wait for this. The, the first season of this, I suppose, was excellent. It just perfectly captured the, uh, the spirit of the animated show. You know, you, you were just reading it in the voices of the animated show. It was it was perfect. So <laughs> very much look forward to this one, I will say. Yeah, I mean there's another one there's another one here that is very much uh very much in my wheelhouse. I know a lot of people you know, a lot of DC heads didn't jump on it necessarily at the time was the, the event Leviathan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I guess it was the uh the espionage related uh, event in dc there in 2019 uh it was written by brian michael bendis uh and brian michael bendis continues here on a, a six issue mini series continuing on from that uh called event leviathan checkmate uh and as i say this is the first of a six issue mini art is by alex Maleve, so it's it's hard to, to look past that for me uh, so it looks like it's going to be interesting. The dark forces of Leviathan have torn through the DC universe and n- now no one can be trusted. No one, not even the person writing to you about this book. That's why you find it in Justice League 63 that Green Arrow has been secretly funding a group called Checkmate because not even the Justice League itself can be trusted. The mysterious Mr. King has helped Green Arrow assemble the greatest team of super spies the world has ever seen. Lois Lane, The Question, Robin, Steve Trevor... Manhunter, Bones, and Talia Al Ghul uh, will will have to outsmart the smartest people in the world before they destroy everything. Plus, a new mystery character is tiptoeing through the shadows. They call him the Damon Rose, and uh, he is hunting Lois Lane right under Superman's nose. It's an all-new, spine-chilling thriller from Eisner Award-winning team of Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Malieve. Um Yeah, it just looks, just looks good. just looks good. Um, yeah. looking forward to this I enjoyed Event Leviathan yeah you're 100% right it just didn't seem to strike a chord for whatever reason whether it was 
coming out at the same time as another big event or, or whatever. But this is a side of the DC universe you and I certainly enjoy. You know, it was explored quite a lot as well in Lois Lane miniseries mm-hmm. as well. Uh, great, great series by Greg Rucka. So, yeah, I'll be on this. I seem to remember thinking this was announced about a year ago, and it seemed to get delayed. I'm... Yeah, yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. I think. I think it was, and I mean, maybe. I suppose. I suppose that's the magic of of this new infinite frontier and everything mattering and nothing, nothing, being you know everything being recognized yeah. it, it doesn't it doesn't really matter we can we can read this and, and enjoy it as is and yeah i mean i i think this is this is one thing that dc does does better than marvel is that sort of really dark thriller super spy you know that that slightly edgier nature of the dc universe allows for this where sometimes the four-color nature of the marvel universe doesn't yeah um but yeah I think, i'm really looking forward to that well another one that i'm looking forward to simply because i love these 80th anniversary one shots uh, we now have Green Arrow reaching his 80th anniversary as well. So if you're familiar with how they do these 80th anniversary specials, they're always 100-page uh, super spectaculars, as they're called. Uh, you'll have an assortment of top writers and artists doing stories. It'll be anthology-based. And they'll also release Decades-inspired variant covers as well. Now, with the Decade variant-inspired covers, for example, we don't tend to order loads of them. But if you keep an eye on uh, the solicits and you see them being released, if there's one you want, they're all free to order, so you can let us know. I mean, to give you an idea, the, the variant covers this month is Michael Cho, Daniel Warren Johnson, Neil Adams, Derek Chu, Gary Frank, Howard Porter, Jen Bartel, and Simon DeMeo. So if there's any artists that you like and you see a cover, just let us know. But the ter- in terms of creative team behind this, I mean, it, ugh, even if you don't like Green Arrow, you should be on this, to be honest. You've got uh, stories written by Jeff Lemire, Benjamin Percy, Mike Grell, Phil Hester, Mariko Tamaki, Stephanie Phillips, Tom Taylor, Ram V, Vida Ayala, Brandon Thomas, Devin Grayson, and Larry O'Neill. And then art-wise, again, it's a who's who. You've got Andrea Sorrentino, Otto Schmidt, Mike Grell again, Phil Hester, Javier Rodriguez, Christopher Mooneyham, Nicholas Scott, George Jorge Corona, Laura Braga, Christopher Mitten, and Jorge Fornes. And just to top it all off, a beautiful Dan Mora cover A. So, again, celebrating the Emerald Archer's 80th anniversary for the last eight decades, Green Arrow has been one of the premier and loudest characters in the DCU, always at the forefront of where the superhero genre is headed. This oversized anniversary issue follows in those footsteps as an all-star lineup of Green Arrow creators, alongside some of the gifted creators of the modern era who have been inspired by Oliver Queen unite to pay tribute to the battling bowmen. See what the past, present and future have in store for Oliver Queen, Black Canary, Connor Hawk, Arsenal, Red Arrow, Speedy and more in this super epic special. So I am all over this. Again, the 80th anniversary format really allows you a just a little bit of an insight into these characters. I mean, I'm not the biggest Green Lantern guy, for example, but the 80th anniversary special was fantastic. So it was, and it really introduced all the different Green Lanterns as well. So, so I'll really look forward to that. Yeah, there's something really nice about those, aren't there? They're they're just celebrations, and they just seem like fun. Really, lots yeah. of fun. Those, I love the way DC do those. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll maybe uh, I'll maybe jump on that. You know, I, I was sort of trying to, to keep things keep things tight, but there's a, a fantastic <laughs> list of uh, of writers and artists on there. And Green Arrow has always been a an interesting character, one that I've that I've always enjoyed. So I'll maybe I'll maybe add that uh, that wee special to the pull list as well, Alan. Yeah, that can certainly be done. Uh, another one that will definitely be getting added to my pull list. 
Keith's pull list, and let's be honest, we're we're bringing you back here, Roddy. This is going to be in your pull list. Come on, what is it? Yeah, this just looks incredible. Um, I hope you're prepared to visit the nice house on the lake. This <laughs> is written by James Tinian the Fourth, who can do absolutely nothing wrong at the moment. He's a very busy man um, with. Something is Killing the Children, Department of Truth, all over Batman, uh, Punchline as well, and the Joker. Was, didn't <laughs> he do the Joker too? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so not quite content with all that. Um, he's doing this with artist Alvaro Martinez Bueno, colors by Jordi Belair, and then lettering by Darren Bennett. This seems incredible. Um, so... I'll read you the blurb. The story sees a group of mostly 30-somethings invited to a sylvan lake house by a friend named Walter. Some have known him since childhood, some from college, some from a party a few months ago. He's a little odd, but after the year that everyone's had, while not mentioning the pandemic, the comic feels very current with its temperature checks and social media connectivity. People are ready for an escape. Once there, however, the group learns that the world has fallen into terrifying chaos and that they may never be able to leave. Oh, and Walter is not who they thought he was. Um, signs, that the art as well, is if you get a chance to look at the preview pages, it's absolutely stunning looking. It just has this mood about it that I can't really explain, and the cover is just really intriguing, and it's obviously not silly-sized Black Label, but there's, there's you know... We made fun of Black Label for a wee while, but I think there's something serious about it, and there's they're trying to recapture that Vertigo essence almost. And there's there's a lot of stories there, and a lot of books that you know we we should be on the lookout for. Um, I think this looks incredible. There's if you see the preview pages, there's a really interesting thing about social media. There's a nice email thing there. Um, so it, even just reading the blurb, it feels really current mm. and i think that's what Tinian's really good at he's he's good at examining what's going on in the world right now and you don't you don't really get a lot of that in comics at the moment so yeah this this looks stunning i think this would probably be my you know ultimate pick i'll make Sweet. sure it's, I mean it's... i'll make sure it's top of the board for you yeah so uh, i think that's going to be a big one i mean we we're a store obviously we promote indie stuff a lot but you know something that's killing the children department of truth are two of our biggest pulls and you know it, it seems that the audience is only growing for those titles now as well as they hit trades and so forth so really recommend getting in on that one at the ground level uh so yeah that is going to be a 12 issue miniseries so Moving on from there, you've got a few different annuals being solicited. You've got Action Comics, we have Catwoman, we have The Flash, uh, and Teen Titans Academy, which they're putting down as a 2021 yearbook as well. Uh, I had mentioned about anthologies and, you know, obviously Superman Red and Blue, Batman Black and White, so it's time for the final part of the Trinity to get theirs, and that is Wonder Woman Black and Gold. And this is also time to uh, come out with the 80th anniversary of, of Wonder Woman. So, same again, it's going to be anthology based. It's going to be six issues in total with different creative teams working on every issue. So for issue one, you've got stories written by John Arcudi, Amy Reader, Becky Cloonan, AJ Mendez and Nadia Shamas. And you've got art by Ran Suk, Amy Reader, Becky Cloonan, Ming Doyle and Morgan Beam. The, the joy with these ones are they're not necessarily anthologies that you have to collect every issue of. You know, it could be the kind of thing that a, a creator might bring you to it. Someone whose work you enjoy 
and you can easily jump on it because they're all self-contained so that's going to be the next one for dc which is wonder woman black and gold and then after that it's it's essentially uh, a lot of titles that are just continuing you know you've action comics american vampire is nearing its end with with issue nine of that you've got all the the traditional titles batman flash there's the Tom Taylor miniseries that's shit to start, which reaches number three, which is Batman the Detective. Just so everyone knows, I may have mentioned it before, this was originally solicited as Batman the Dark Knight. It's had a title change to Batman the Detective. Uh, you have you have an issue of Batman Superman that if you don't jump on, Keith, I will be really, really surprised. Tell me. Look at that cover. It's Batman and Superman as cowboys. <laughs> yeah actually i did i did notice that one alan i have to say i uh i did i did look twice at that <laughs> and not only is cover a glorious with them as cowboys it has a variant by greg capullo what more do you need yeah uh yeah, but yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's very much the new batman superman team i know that you had obviously stuck with it through the joshua williamson run the latest issue came out this week from this team which is gene lun yang on writing and ivan rice on art although it looks like ivan rice won't be doing the art every issue but uh, I really enjoyed the first issue of that of, of that creative team, I should say. Um, then again, you've just got continuing series all through. Detective Comics, Far Sector, Future State Gotham continues. Uh, Harley Quinn, Justice League. You have a continuation of Justice League Last Ride, which again is yet to launch, but that's the, the Chip Zdarsky written Justice League title. But yeah, you, you pretty much finish. Actually, I can't go past without stopping at Nightwing. Holy moly, just look at that. <laughs> glorious <laughs> glorious nightwing 81 uh we we spoke so highly about the first issue of tom taylor's run and he he says he has a long plan in place so that makes me very very happy uh yeah that was that was some issue oh so good so good that it was and then yeah we just finish off the book then with uh i thought there were a couple of interesting looking trades in here as well you know, you have Batman the Dark Prince Charming hitting trade paperback. This was a uh, a two-volume series by uh, Enrico Marini. And it's not often you see top-tier characters for Marvel or DC being handled by European creators and writers. And this was phenomenal. I, I have a really nice uh, hardcover of this, which is a wee tiny bit more expensive. But this one, it's, it's bringing it to trade paperback. It's very classic Batman storytelling. The art is off the chart in this as well. So I really recommend if you you just want like a really good one-shot Batman story, you don't need to know anything else outside the mythology, uh, definitely jump on that. Uh, you also have the Future State titles starting to come out as well. So we're now getting a sense of how they're collecting those titles together. So you have Future State Batman Dark Detective, which is going to have the Dark Detective issues, but also... Uh, the Red Hood stories, Batman Superman, Catwoman, Harley Quinn, and Robin Eternal. You have Future State Suicide Squad, uh, which is just going to be Suicide Squad by the look of it. Uh, you have Wonder Woman, which will have a mortal Wonder Woman, as well as uh, the traditional Wonder Woman title. And then we finish off, I believe, with a trade you wanted to showcase, Keith. Uh, yes, that is uh, that is correct. Uh and that is I mentioned earlier on, and Roddy, Roddy mentioned uh, Black Label and the, the great stuff that that Black Label, you know, as, as early on we did sort of make a wee bit of fun of it, and then they've got the you know that the deluxe edition size books, which I have my own problems with. Um, but I think I think the Last God is is really a case of of 
Black Label doing exactly what it was designed to do. So we've got uh, in in June, and it is uh, it is June, I believe. It's not a it's not a pre-solicit, uh, is it? No, it's a, it is a it is a June release of Philip Kennedy Johnson's The Last God hardcover. This was a really highly acclaimed story, and having it here in one hardcover edition, uh, along with all of the the background material and stuff that he did, uh, is really really fantastic. So. Philip Kennedy Johnson on writing, uh, R Ricardo Frederici on uh, Frederici on art. The Last God was a high octane, dark fantasy, really brutal and 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 really uh, complex fantasy epic. It follows two groups, uh, thirty years apart. So thirty years ago, there was a fellowship of brave heroes who travelled beyond the borders of reality and killed the last living god, saving the world of Kainanun from the tyrant's apocalyptic army of uh, of the flowering dead, uh, of the, the, this, this undead uh, uh, infection. The legendary companions became the rulers of their world and ushered in a new age of peace and prosperity, but it, it didn't last and it wasn't all, it wasn't, it wasn't all just hope and love, you know, by any means. So now, 30 years later, the foul legions of the last god march once more, laying waste to all of Kainanun and revealing that the aging fellowship may not be the great heroes who they claim to be. It's a fantastic looking hardcover. It collects the entirety of of this high fantasy horror masterpiece. Uh, also includes the last god book one, uh, well, the last god book one, followed the the Fellspire Chronicles. You know, is, is the is the main story, uh, so it's there in all its glory. And then along with that is Songs of the Last Children, which was a, a one shot and an expanded edition of the the role playing campaign source book, the the D and D fifth edition role playing campaign source book for Tales of the of the from the Book of Ages. So there's a lot going on here. This is this is great as someone who loves fantasy, but but not. I mean, it's it's a very it's it's kind of like a cross between Lord of the Rings and The Walking Dead. Uh, in a lot, in a lot of ways, and and something a lot more than that. For someone who loves fantasy, loves epic fantasy, high epic fantasy, this is this is just right there, and and this really solidified Philip Kennedy Johnson for me as as a writer to really really watch, and and that's playing out now. You know, he's now on the Superman books, he's he's on the Alien book, uh, so he's really he's really getting to pick and choose what he wants here. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. Did you guys either? You guys pick this up? The Last God when it was ongoing, or was it just me? Just you. <laughs> um, but I think I will. I didn't realize it was. Has it finished completely then? It has finished. Yeah, I mean, well, certainly. Then, yeah, sign me up. Yeah, I mean, whether or not this will continue in some way, because the original series was called The Last God, Book One of the Fellspire Chronicles. So whether or not there there is a book two, but but this mm -hmm. is certainly a self-contained story or two self-contained stories rather that, that twist together yeah yeah so it's uh, very 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 good stuff um highly recommend it it's it's not for younger readers okay yeah cool so, well yeah. i will definitely jump on it and trade for him i just i think it was another one of those titles that i gave up my issues early on for a customer and then they were a little tricky to get back but you know me i love me a good hardcover so uh i will probably jump on that especially given my my newfound love for Conan the Barbarian in the last couple of years. So <laughs> this is the DC equivalent, I suppose. So, so yeah, that pretty much encapsulates the DC book. 
again, we're only showcasing the stuff that you know we're looking forward to or, or jumping on points, that kind of thing. But just look it up, uh, DC Connect. You'll you'll find the entire catalog online easily enough. So we're going to move away now and finish off with the indie book. So get ready for a ton of variety. Uh, obviously, the indie book encapsulates tons of publishers. You've got Image, you've got Dark Horse, you've got IDW, you've got Boom, you've got Aftershock, etc., etc. So tons to, de- to delve into here. But before we just jump into it, I just wanted to showcase uh, Free Comic Book Day. Uh, should happen this year. Didn't happen last year, unfortunately, which uh, deprived us of the greatest launch of a Robert Kirkman title ever with Firepower. But uh, it's coming back this year. It says it's celebrating 20 years of free comics, and it's going to take place on August 14th, uh, 2021. So hopefully we're back to some form of normality where people can come into the store. We can attract crowds to the store with with tons of free uh, issues that will be available on the day. And... There's definitely some uh, ones to spotlight. We will be getting all of these in as much as possible. Uh, looking at them, certainly the, the first one that catches my eye is uh, a series I think you read as well, Roddy, We Live, uh, which is... Oh, yeah? Be, yeah, there's going to be a, a brand new original prequel uh, issue, which is called We Live, The Last Days. Uh, so it's basically set just before We Live starts. So I'll look forward to that. Uh, yeah. I'm sure we're all looking forward to the Boom Studios offering. Oh, yes, the uh, free comic book of day 2021, Enter the House of Slaughter. Uh, we know what that's going to be associated with. That's with our uh, our, our favourite something is killing the children. So uh, by by uh, James Tinney and Forth and uh, Werther Deldera. So it says, are you ready to enter the House of Slaughter? In 2019, we were introduced to the world of Erica Slaughter, the monster hunter who came to Archer's Peak, Wisconsin, to save the town's children from the monsters only she can see. But Erica is not the only member of the House of Slaughter. With nearly half a million copies sold, Something is Killing the Children has become a true comic phenomenon, and this free comic book day, you're invited to enter the House of Slaughter, if you dare. Yeah, so there's there's tons of great stuff here. Again, you can uh, certainly Google Free Comic Book Day 2021, but some of the highlights, you've got uh, Star Wars High Republic Adventures, you've got Critical Role The Witcher, uh, there are some yet-to-be-announced Marvel titles, there's a Marvel Comics 2021 gold title and silver title. It is interesting, there's nothing solicited here for DC, obviously DC broke away from Diamond Comic Distributors uh, last year, so this will be the first Free Comic Book Day where they're... I don't know if they're going to be involved in any capacity. I really don't know, but maybe it's just still to, to be announced. Uh, there's definitely another one I know you're looking forward to, Keith, from Titan Comics. Yeah, that's the, the Blade Runner free comic book day issue. So this is going to be, this is really interesting because currently we've got we've got two Blade Runner comics uh, at the minute. We've got Blade Runner 2029, which is set after the original movie, and Blade Runner Origins, which is set before the original movie. Uh, which you know was explaining you know how things started off and and where replicants came from. So this this free comic book day issue is going to connect origins with 2029 those storylines for the first time. So we're gonna it's going to reveal the link between Detective Cal's actions in Blade Runner Origins and Detective Ash's story in Blade Runner 2029 number one. The creative teams from both books are on this, so I'm really looking forward to that one. It's all original material, so uh, that'll be that'll be that's just really good use of a free comic book day issue. Yeah, and then there's tons of stuff, you know, that'll appeal to everyone. There's, um, or to a wide variety of people, I should say. You've got The Boys, Herogasm, number one. You've got Vampirella in there. You've got Sonic the Hedgehog, Stray Dogs. You've got, uh, 
the tick you got the smurfs you got judge dread so the the whole point of free comic book day is very much there being something for everyone whether you're a younger reader or an older reader so uh again we will be doing our best to get as many of those in as possible uh there is also a teenage mutant ninja turtles ninja elite series black and white four piece figure set and there's also a gi joe real american hero oh. mini mates box set <laughs> Oh well, I was going to talk to you. I was going to talk to you after, but uh, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad we're on the same wavelength. <laughs> Certain things just scream Roddy, and uh, GI Joe tends to be one of them. So, oh, nice. so yeah. So more and more information will come out about Free Comic Book Day as the year goes on. But but do know that as long as everything's back to again some form of normality and we're we're fully open, we will be a hundred percent behind that and offering all of those titles as well as others. So yeah, uh, we'll jump into the the indie stuff. I mean, we the indie book has always got uh, Image up front. Uh, Image is undoubtedly the largest of the indie companies in terms of the amount of titles released, in terms of the uh, amount of talent. Other companies are certainly growing, which is great to see as well. But a couple of big launches this month for Image. You've got Jupiter's Legacy Requiem, which is a new five-issue miniseries from Mark Millar and art by Tommy Lee Edwards. There is, of course, a Jupiter's Legacy TV show getting ready to launch this year, uh, which looks pretty interesting. Vicky's a huge fan of this. I mean, anything Mark Millar, she tends to, to get on board with anyway, but this is continuing the Jupiter's Legacy uh, series. Jupiter's Legacy essentially began where there was a, a team of superheroes and they were all just getting a little old and they weren't able to protect the world as best as they could anymore. So it was all about the next generation of superheroes and you know, the, the older ones very much came from a, a classic generation, whereas the newer ones are very bored and very, you know, they're lazy and they can't be bothered and they have different um, morals and so forth. So really interesting series. But this is a brand new uh, miniseries continuing, which is uh, going to be five issues. Uh, speaking of established franchises, there was a massive announcement uh, a month or so ago, maybe a little more about uh, the universe of Spawn expanding and Spawn's not normally something that I would be into I've never really read it uh, but the idea behind this one which is Spawn's universe number one is that it's a jumping on point for people who've wanted to get into Spawn. Spawn to me has always seemed like the kind of thing that's hard to get into because it's 316 issues long I think at this point and it's showing no signs of slowing down you know if, if we're going to recommend say The Walking Dead to someone or Invincible to someone those are really long-running series, but they have a definitive endpoint. Spawn just seems to keep going. But it's attracted a lot of uh, top-level creators over to it, so it's not just going to be Todd McFarlane involved with this. You know, artist-wise, just on Spawn's universe, number one, you've got Jim Cheng in there, Marcio Takara, Steven Segovia, as well as Todd McFarlane. But I know that Donny Cates has been uh, brought across to help with this as well, so... Uh, this will be the very much the starting off point for that whole uh, new Spawn line, so to speak. So uh, I would say that'll be pretty popular in store because Spawn is one of those characters that, that tons of people ask about. But just trying to give them starting points is so difficult. To yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I years ago, back in the 90s, I got the first two British trade paperback releases of, of, of Spawn, which covered the first maybe... I probably the first 10 issues maybe 12 issues and uh i remember being interested at the time you know but uh that was a long long time ago i wouldn't have a clue where is that now yeah, i used to love the animated series the hbo one mm -hmm. oh yeah and it was because i think what would it maybe have been about 13 or something when it came out and it was the coolest thing ever 
obviously because it was like adult and um, it was scary and bloody too. So I absolutely loved it. But um, I haven't I haven't touched a Spawn comic now. I have to say. Mm. Uh, and then the last one I just wanted to spotlight as a as a brand new number one is uh, one of the best titles of the month, definitely, which is The Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, number one. This is written by Kyle Starks, and art is uh, Chris Schweizer. You know you're on to a good thing when the first thing you see is a recommendation from our good friend Chip Zdarsky, so that's always a good starting point. But then it goes on to, for fans of Chew, and it's like, you know, you're speaking my language right here. So a new action mystery series from Eisner Award nominees Chris Schweizer and Kyle Starks. The world's most unlikable action star has been found dead, and his previous TV sidekicks are looking to solve the mystery. But how can you catch a murderer when almost everyone hated the victim? Now these sidekicks are going to learn what it means to be the stars of the show, that is, if any of them survived the stuntman wars. So, yeah, it even has, if you look there, Keith, for fans of lighthearted procedurals like Chew and the whip-smart humour of Rock Candy Mountain. I mean, I was just, I was just thinking there when you were talking, Alan, that that's Kyle Starks who was who was on Rock Candy Mountain. Um, I don't know how I missed that. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, just while you're there, I saw another one. Um, we didn't go on off grid here, but there's also Compass Number One, which is written by Robert McKenzie and Dave Walker with Justin Greenwood on art, and it says Greg Rucka. Proudly presents, presents yeah, a new direction I, with Compass. I, so I saw that, and the reason I didn't pick up on it, Roddy, is because it looks specifically young adult, mm-hmm. uh, and I am not that. <laughs> <laughs> that was very um, diplomatic way of putting that. Yeah, Indiana Jones meets Delilah Dirk in this globe-trotting adventure, perfect for a young adult audience. But you know, I think it looks pretty cool. So, might be one that I might pick up, and I'll let you know. Sweet. That sounds good to me. See, if you'd have just stopped that, it's like Indiana Jones. I would have been all over that. Yeah, I don't know the other one. So. <laughs> uh, and then uh, a series that's continuing on, but certainly bears uh, mentioning is Crossover reaches number seven this month. And for the first time, Donny Cates is not writing it. Uh, I saw this on Twitter about a month ago, and I thought it was like fan art. I didn't think anything of it, really. Because there's a in an issue of crossover, they talk about how certain comic creators have gone missing, and if you follow Donny Cates at all or Chip Zdarsky, you know they've they've had a long running quote feud. You know it's it's all in in good humor, of course, but it's just really fun to follow it. And there there was this cover with like a poster of Chip Zdarsky saying "missing" uh, with sort of a blood smear over it, and at the top, Donny Cates's name is scored out as well as Jeff Shaw's, who's the artist. And it's replaced by Chip Zdarsky, Phil Hester, and uh, Andy Parks. So it actually looks like this is real. So Chip Zdarsky is writing this issue. And you got to love oh. the solicit for this. Uh, wait, no, hold on. What is this? Why is Chip writing my book? Sorry, I know this is unprofessional to do in public, but no one at Image is answering my calls. Someone please call me. What is happening? <laughs> so I don't know if it'll be a jumping on point, but you should be in crossover anyway, let's be honest, because it's awesome. Uh, but I just thought it was worth mentioning just because of the uh, the slight deviation for an indie title. You don't normally see this with creator-owned titles a lot. You know, it'll be the same creators the whole way through. But I just think this this looks like it'll be a fun wee insert issue. So, yeah, that, that's pretty much what's caught my eye image-wise. What about yourself, Keith? Can't not mention Firepower, uh, especially whenever it's Firepower number 12. And especially whenever it is celebrating the end of one full year of firepower uh 
it's a, an oversized issue. It is not to be missed. It's celebrating, as I say, one full year. It's been a, a wild ride. Everything has been leading to this moment. The Scorched Earth Clan and the Order of the Flaming Fist face off one final time. Owen Johnson has finally re-entered the world he left behind. And from this point on, everything changes. So I, I just love this book. We talk about it. We try not to talk about it every reviews podcast. <laughs> every reviews podcast that makes it in there. You know, that last issue that started off in a, in a free fall in the sky without parachutes and the whole first issue was there. It was unbelievable. Uh, so this is just this is just great. Uh, Kirkman's other book, Die, 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 just finished this week. It was the last issue. Uh, so, yeah, I'm absolutely... Uh, and we know that Oblivion Song is coming to an end as well. So, yeah, I'm keeping, For, keep it, keeping on this. The uh, variant cover fans are going to have a field day with number 12. There's some... There's some interesting names, should we say, on this. I don't know if you've seen them. Mm-hmm. So we've got Chris Samney and Matt Wilson, obviously, in it, doing cover A. Cover B is Frank Quietly. C, Mindy Lee. Cover D, Tula Lute. Cover E, Todd McFarlane. Oof. Cover F, Simone DeMeo. Cover G, Tonsi Zonjic. Um, cover H, Rob Liefeld. Cover <laughs> I, Annie Wu. Cover J, Eric Larson. A lot of image uh, royalty in there. Uh, yeah. Cover K, Carrie Randolph, and cover L, Frank Miller. Wow! Save the best wow. to last. Be interested to see that if that's <laughs> out and about the in- internet. Get me some of that life, L goodness. That, that'll be interesting, just because Firepower is such a four-color title. You know, it's got a real Marvel vibe to it. It'll be interesting to see how someone so synonymous with darkness like Frank Miller interprets Firepower. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but what else have we got in here? I see you've uh, picked a little something out here, Roddy, as well, actually. Uh, an original yeah, graphic. This, this looks really cool. Um, so, big fan of The Doors. So, obviously, this kind of caught my eye. It's called Jim Lives, the mystery of the lead singer of The Doors and the 27 Club original graphic novel. Um, if you get a chance, go look at the preview art because it looks freaking stunning. It looks like a watercolor painting. Um now this is, it says the second installment of a conspiracy theory speculative speculative <laughs> fiction trilogy that began with the breakout hit Paul is Dead, which I've I definitely remember seeing in the previous book now, but it wasn't something I picked up or anything. But it'll hit you up with perfect for fans of eleventh twenty two sixty three, and the Department of Truth, <laughs> or. For any music lover, so I mean, so that's, that's every, everyone on the planet, then? Like, um, <laughs> yeah, this I, I just think it sounds, sounds really great. Amid the intense colors of a foreign land, Jim Lives is the story of a man searching for his son, a correspondent for a popular American newspaper who vanished into thin air after sending one last enigmatic message Jim Morrison isn't dead, he's hiding out in Italy. I saw him with my own eyes. So, this is, um, should say, it's by. Paolo Barron and Ernesto Carbonetti doing the art. Um, looks an absolutely thrilling book. Um, yeah, I love that sort of speculative conspiracy theory fiction. So definitely, definitely going to pick this one up. Sweet. That sounds that sounds pretty interesting. So uh, for me, uh, for Image, there are three books that are starting new arcs. Uh, one of them, which is starting a final arc. The first of those is a, a book that I am indebted to Roddy for uh, introducing me to, uh, and that is That Texas Blood, number seven. So 
the, it's starting a brand new story arc. This is the uh, the, the the Western noir uh, from Chris Condon and, and Jacob Phillips, and uh, we were lucky enough to, to interview those guys uh, some months back, um, and uh, it'd be great to pick up with them again. Uh, but this new story arc is called Eversol 1981. Uh, brand new story arc following the traumatic and bloody conclusion of a brother's conscience. Joe Bob reminisces about one of his first cases, a haunting and bizarre evening that left a boy dead, a girl missing, and a cult on the loose, and introduced a mysterious man called Harlan Eversol. Uh, so really looking forward to the new arc on that Jeez, Texas blood. If you see, the, the cover is also haunting. I don't know what it is about those kind of it's uh, something very akin to Kalu Cox clan uh hood yeah but it's uh bright red and it's got two protruding points it's um yeah it's a beautiful stunning cover and yeah i can't wait i can't wait for it to pick back up again yeah so good so good i mean it's uh we didn't really get a chance to talk about how that last arc finished roddy but uh, i look forward to having a conversation with that in future um such a such a good book nothing else Hopefully Nothing in the store like over a coffee. Yeah, buddy. So... Or something stronger. <laughs> the uh, Undiscovered Country, number 13, Charles Soule, Scott Snyder, uh, Giuseppe Cameron Coley, uh, uh, Matt Wilson, is starting its new story arc with, as I say, number 13, Possibility Part 1, uh, Smash Hit Series Returns, the journey through the transformed United States continues as our group of explorers ventures into the third zone, Possibility, a region built on the endlessly evolving landscape of American creativity from folklore to VR. So that is going to be trippy, I would say. And then lastly, somewhat sadly, we have the beginning of what has proven to be the final story arc of Oblivion Song, which will be ending with number 36, I believe. Uh, the Catal have invaded. The Earth is not prepared. Los Angeles, Paris, Hong Kong are experiencing three separate transference events. Nathan Cole may be the only person capable of standing up to the Catal forces, but will he be enough? This is the beginning of the end as we march towards our final issue. I'll not lie, I'm kind of glad Oblivion Song's coming to an end because I, I dipped out of it around issue 9. I can't remember why, but I dipped out of it, and now I'm starting to collect the, the hardcovers mm. to read yes. it. So, I again, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with Spawn. I like it with an indie series. If I've missed a good chunk of it, that I'm happy that it has a definitive end point. And let's be honest, Kirkman will always tell a story as long as he thinks he has the story to tell. He doesn't, despite having two of the longest running indie comic books ever, <laughs> there was always story to tell there. Whereas, yeah, you know, yeah, something like yeah. Die, Die, Die maybe works in smaller bites. and It's, I mean, Die, Die, Die was really interesting. We'll talk about it in the Reviews podcast, I don't, I don't doubt. But, but you know, it, it ended with, I think it was issue 13, was it, this week? Issue two, I can't remember what, what issue it was. But uh, that book is totally, you would not know, reading the last issue of the series, that what the first issue was because mm-hmm. they are too, the story has gone so many different places. It was, it was quite incredible. Um, and he says, you know, that this is the end of Die, Die, Die for now. He, uh, he may return in years. It won't be as long as a decade, uh, <laughs> but it'll be back eventually. But this is, uh, and I mean, with Oblivion Song, we've got a, we've got some, some movie or televisual treats to look forward to, uh, you know, with the deal that's been done there. Uh, so I guess you know, and a definitive end to that is is a good thing. Yeah, so I've got the uh, I've got volume five just sitting sitting beside me, waiting to read after I'm done with the podcast. So Ooh. I'm looking forward to diving in there. And that'll be Finally the second last. That, yeah, that'll be the second last volume. I think uh, volume volume six will will finish it then, won't it? 
maybe volume seven. I'd say volume six will be the yeah. last because I think volume five that Roddy has takes him up to it's issue 30. 30 right, yeah. okay. Yeah. There you are. Good stuff. Brilliant. Great stuff. Um, what about uh, what about Dark Horse then, Roddy? Yeah, I'm actually... Sometimes Dark Horse can kind of pass you by month to month, but I uh, there's a number of Kraken titles here. Uh, the first that caught my eye is Parasomnia, uh, number one of four. Dark Horse tend to do, if they're doing um, miniseries, it tends to be one of four, one of five, that kind of thing. But this is um, Colin Bunn, which is a writer I'm a big fan of, and an artist, Andrea Muti, which I'm also a massive fan of. So... This is Andrew Moody did um, Starship the the famous Starship Down, which I only have this single issue of. Yeah, me too. To get the trade yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is um, it's a new dark fantasy tale of two worlds split between dreams and reality. After his son disappears, a broken down man braves a nightmarish dreamscape in order to find him and battle the ruthless cult that seeks to rule the land of dreams as the barrier between realities starts to collapse. Yeah, um, just looking looking at the art, it seems like an absolute nightmare. Um, looks fantastic, um, very dreamy, watercolory. The the colors are really interesting too. There's um, sort of a lot of yellow, white, and red seems to be the dominant, and gray seems to be the dominant color scheme. So yeah, looking forward to seeing seeing where that goes. Um, I'm actually somebody told me about this Colin Bond. A film called The Empty Man. He he wrote the comic off it that's been kind of doing the rounds recently. Um, so I'm definitely going to check that out over the weekend. I actually, didn't realize that had been made into a movie. I've I've read that. Yeah, it's a really good series. It's um, it's kind of. I think um, my friend was telling me it's kind of got a resurgence. It came out last last year and kind of mm -hmm. got buried in the pandemic. Um, but it's kind of getting some. Uh, what's the word? Cult classic kind yeah. of buzz. So this, I'm definitely going to check that out maybe over the weekend. I think yeah. you can rent it for, you know, like four quid or whatever it is. So I think I'll definitely search that out myself as well. Uh, just on Parasomnia as well, the artist Andrea Muti is doing really good work at the moment on an Aftershock title called Maniac of New York, which is all about ah. the serial killer in New York and the art style is really, really cool. So yeah, definitely one to look out for. Nice. Um, here's another one. This one maybe has Keith written all over it. Another... Another miniseries, uh, one, this is one of four, called The Secret Land, and this is written by Christopher Emgard and Tomas Aria. And they did it, they actually did a series called The Whispering Dark, which I really liked. And this is, I'll read you the blurb Hitler's dead. Ben and Catherine are supposed to be together, happy. Instead, Ben fights the war in the Pacific with the reckless heroism of one who believes his fiance killed in action yet Catherine lives undercover and about to arrive at the third reich's last bastion something is waiting for her there for all of them and it is hungry Oof. so just says cosmic horror yeah sign me up mm -hmm. i love yeah, i love yeah. all things cosmic horror <laughs> that's uh and, that's lovecraftian all right yeah i love mm -hmm. when they tie in the um the nazis too to that um yeah really yeah. interesting all that sort of stuff uh, what else we got? Who I had one one struck me, and it was by Michael Avon Oeming, who were big fans of the After Realm, and this was not something I've ever heard of before. But it's called The Victories, and it's an omnibus trade paperback. Um, I thought it sounds really really good. Not long from now, all that will stand between you and evil are the victories. 
hero sworn to protect us from crime, corruption, and the weird designer drug known as Float. In this complete collection of Eisner Award-winning Paris co-creator Michael Avon Oeming hit superhero series, we follow the mature and bizarre lives of heroes and gods as they fight against the villains, conspirators, and powers that plague their city while battling the demons that haunt their souls. And that collects the victories, the complete victories, trade paperbacks, volumes one to four. So um, definitely going to be checking that. I, I'm a really big fan of the After Realms. So really, um, I'm not too big. I've never read Powers or anything. So I definitely want to check out more of uh, Michael's work. Well, if you fancy giving victories a go, I know that we've got it in store. It's it's part of the Dark Horse number one for a dollar range. Uh, so you can oh, yeah. so you yeah. can pick up the first one just to see what you think, similar to like the image first range and you know the true believers and the dollar yeah. comics all that kind of stuff. So I know we've definitely got that in store. So uh, you can check it out without uh, dropping x amount on a massive omnibus, <laughs> just in case. It's just... actually it's not bad. It's only uh, it's thirty bucks. Well, says for four hundred and seventy-two pages, so that's that's not bad at all. That's not bad, actually. Yeah, uh, I mean, moving on then from Dark Horse, we've got IDW. Um, not something that I think any of us will be reading, but just to shout it out there, the the computer game classic character Roddy was referring to in the intro is Sonic the Hedgehog. It's a thirtieth anniversary special. Uh, Sonic tends to sell well in our store. You know, we have a lot of the back issues that are sometimes a little hard to find this side of the world when they were uh, produced by Boom Comics, but it's now IDW that has the license. Uh, but the one that stood out for me the most with IDW, tell me this does not sound like a Pixar movie. Uh, so this is a title called Better Place. It is an original 160-page graphic novel by writer Dwayne Murray, who's making his debut here, and the artist is Sean Daly. So honestly, this just sounds like Pixar. So this sidekick misses his superhero, after hearing that his grandfather has gone to a better place, a boy sets off on a grand adventure to find him, dressed as his favourite comic book character. Dylan just moved to a new house with no friends and a mother who doesn't have time for him. Luckily, he has his granddad. Together, they are Red Rocket and Kid Cosmo, who save the world from evil every day with the power of imagination. But one day, Dylan learns that his granddad is suddenly gone. Now, Kid Cosmo will have to save the day all by himself. Debut author Dwayne Murray and Sean Dilley, uh, artist on Art Duties, for a touching story about family, grief, change, and growth. And there's some lovely little preview art there. It's quite small in the previews book, but the cover itself gives you an idea. The cover actually reminds me of something like Day Tripper. Uh, it's got a very, mm. very similar vibe to it. So, yeah, yeah. If, if that's not a Pixar movie in a few years, I'd be very surprised. <laughs> mm. I'm looking forward to that one too because uh, I'm a big fan of Sean Dilley. He did a source point press series called ogre which is mm-hmm. um remind me the blurb sort of reminded me a wee bit of that um ogre a wee bit it's it's a gorgeous looking book definitely worth checking out nice but yeah and something is being collected this month as well keith i know you are are looking at yeah really looking forward to the trade paperback of uh scarant hood uh, it's by uh, nick roach uh who's the He's an Irishman, County of Wexford, based in Dublin. Uh, Transformers legend, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, is, is is maybe the best way to describe him. But I've read the first three issues or four. I can't remember if I read the whole thing or not. But I I, I borrowed it, and this this was was just a fantastic, uh, just a just a fantastic story set in Dublin. Uh, say by Nick Roach and uh, and Chris O'Halloran. 
says, what's scarier, fighting demons or letting your kids down? That's what a group of parents will find out as their plans to solve the school's long-standing mystery lead to one parenting nightmare after another. To-do list, drop the kids at preschool, grab coffee with other parents, go ghost hunting in the woods, fight demonic entity, collect kids, nap time. With the kids away on a field trip, a group of parents disturbs an ancient evil uh, buried beneath the old church hall, unearthing a decades-old uh, mystery about a missing child and inviting something hungry into their lives. Suddenly their mornings go from play dates and peanut allergies to a battle for the souls of a broken family and one child in particular. And this original story that combines the highs of parenthood with horror movie scares. This was just fantastic. Uh, and I'm looking forward to, to owning it as a, as a trade paperback. I should nice. say this is a, this is an August solicit. Uh, rather than uh, it's a, it seems to be a, an August solicit rather than than July, so it's an August twenty fifth release. But uh, yeah, Ronnie, this is right up your street. This was um, I had it on the way back when I think I had number one on the previews book because I'm a big Nick Roche fan. Yeah. Um, but I never never got around to getting the single issues now. I'll definitely definitely be on it. Yeah, yeah, great stuff, great stuff. And then what else caught your eye, IDW wise, Ronnie? Oh. I'm I'm really loving IDW at the moment from <laughs> from their what they're doing with all their sort of original stuff. You don't associate them with all you know the creator owns that sort of thing, but now they're they've spent a couple of years really building up that talent roster and doing awesome work. Um, but actually, two art books caught my eye and completely different tangents. They're both actually advanced solicits for September. But the first one I thought was really cool. If you're a big fan of Rush, um, the band, there is an art book called The Art of Rush, Serving a Life, uh, excuse me, a life Sentence. Um, it's sort of like both of them are, both the books I'm going to talk about are like coffee table books. Um, this one, Rush, obviously known for their awesome, awesome uh, album cover art. And they're sort of in the same vein of, Led Zeppelin and that sort of stuff back in the day, your album sleeves and then even your CD sleeves maybe gone are the days of all that sort of art but um, it's a book written by Hugh Syme and Stephen Humphreys and they go through sort of like running commentary of like all these different art, all the different art that work went into Rush and I'm sure there'll be loads of great stuff going in there and the other one which is all oh, this I think if you're a fan of like American art, this is going to be right up your street. Um, this is the art of pulp fiction and illustrated history of vintage paperbacks. Mm. Yeah. Not um, the movie, not the movie. No, not the movie <laughs> much to Alan's disappointment. Um, but yeah, this, I love the, I love the blurb too. Cause it's like judge these books by their cover, <laughs> get immersed in definitive visual history of vintage pulp fiction paperbacks. Um, so obviously something we, We've probably talked about loads in um, uh, what's um, Undone by Blood and a couple of, there's uh -huh, loads of other yeah, comics yeah. these days using that kind of style of vintage yeah. paperback books and westerns and all that. So this is, um, I'm really excited by this. It's got an introduction by Richard A. Lupoff, who's a novelist and essayist. Um, he also wrote a book called The Great American Paperback. Um, so this this kind of goes through, um, if you're a fan of art, it's got 500 memorable covers, definitely a coffee table kind of book, and it's got a running commentary about the genre, and I'm sure it'll have loads of interesting factoids and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, it sounds awesome. So if you're a fan of that sort of the pulp style, it's definitely something to check out. 
And I also had one more, which was an original graphic novel called Marie Curie, A Quest for Light. And this is by Francis Andreessen Osterfeldt um, and Anya Seti Anderson. And the artist is Anna Blaschek. Hope I've got that right. Um, but yeah, obviously a book about, you know, Marie Curie's life and her groundbreaking research and stuff. And I, I think that um, if you see some of the cover art, it looks pretty interesting. Ooh. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely one to check out. Seems seemed kind of like, you know, something that's out there. But um, if you're interested in that sort of history, I think it's definitely something to seek out. And uh, I know uh, Women in Comics uh, celebration is coming up. And uh, I mean, Marie Curie is definitely oh, yeah. one of those yeah. one of those women in, in science that that deserves mm -hmm. a hell of a lot more more celebration for uh, for her uh, her research outcomes and, and where that's led. Um, moving on from IDW, I think, to Boom, uh, who are increasingly a, a favourite studio of ours. Uh, we've got the first issue of Five of Good Luck uh, from Matthew Ehrman, uh, Stefano Simone and Jorge Corona. What if luck was quantifiable and something everyone was born with? Everyone except the unfortunate teenagers born with absolutely zero luck. Now with the world mysteriously plunged into chaos and reality itself threatened, they will be our only hope to save the world. Our last hope is those with no chance of success. The only thing that anyone can wish them is good luck. A bold new original series for fans of Seven Secrets and Runaways from Matthew Ehrman, uh, Long Lost and Power Rangers Sins of the Future and Stefano Simone, uh, Mega Man fully charged about defying fate against impossible odds. So that sounds and looks really interesting. Yeah, I can get on board with that kind of thing. I mean, Boom are very dependable when it comes to their brand new miniseries recently. They they pretty much seem to hit the spot every single time. And then going at the opposite end of the spectrum, actually, in terms <laughs> of, uh, you know, in terms... I mean, Boom seem to specialize in horror really well. You know, you look at the Boom logo and you look at some of their titles, you think Boom is like a, an all-ages label, but they really specialize in dark horror as well. You think, a, yeah, you know, something that's killing the children. A, such a weird balance, isn't it? Yeah. They have... They do have these sort of like kid friendly stuff and sort of like teen teenage stuff like good luck kind of looks like and then mm -hmm. they, they'll hit you with a basilisk. <laughs> um, which is also we we're talking about Cullen Bunn earlier. Here he is again, and this is illustrated by Jonas Scharf. This art looks incredible. I am excited for this book. Must read for fans of something is killing the children and Stillwater. Oh damn. Yeah, not even not even going to bother reading you the blurb. You know you're going to get it. Um, <laughs> it's a horrifying supernatural story. Um, yeah, I think that sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, seems to be a, seems to be a lot going on with with that one. And then yeah. swinging around, I don't know if I was on that, but I think I have to be actually reading it again and uh, and seeing that something is killing the children. Stillwater, uh, and that, those things always kill me for fans of. Always kill me. Oh, they know what they're <laughs> it's like doing. I am a fan of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I will they, they know what they're doing. Uh, another we, uh, another we pitch in for James Tinian, uh and where their Delderas, something is killing the children. We've already mentioned it. Number seventeen is out from Boom in June, uh, and we'll be looking at the story of what turned young Erica into the monster hunter she is today. Discover Erica Slaughter's true origin as she is further initiated into the House of Slaughter, uh, but will. She be sorted into the prodigious white room or the dreaded black room with her new nemesis, Aaron, another character who we've seen already in, in Archer's Peak 
Um, so hard, hard to hard to hard to go past Boom without mentioning something is killing the children. Yeah, well, just as Boom are definitely raising the game each and every month, I think Aftershock are really, really killing it as well at the moment. Lots of new titles, uh, lots of collected editions of of uh, existing stories as well. And there's a couple of number ones this month that, you know, caught a few of our eyes. So, I mean, the first one for me is a title called Out of Body. Uh, this is written by Peter Milligan, who did a brilliant job in the AWA title American Ronin, uh, certainly in terms of exploring high concept ideas. And then the mm -hmm. artist on this is Inaki Miranda. So beautiful preview art for this one. Absolutely stunning looking cover. And uh, the little blurb for it goes as when Dan Collins wakes to find his life hanging by a thread, he must use astral protection, projection to discover who tried to kill him. Who is the beautiful mystic who tries to help him? Why does August Fern want Dan's soul? And um, what does it have to do with the demon who seems to be Dorian Gray? A weird occult detective thriller about life, death, and whatever lies in between. So, again, a uh, horror mystery, a little bit of fantasy in there as well. Uh, it doesn't specify how long that's going to be, but that's a, a brand new number one hitting in June. And then as well as that, you have a, another horror series. It really is horror, just all over comics at the moment. <laughs> but this one again a creative team that has me very excited so it's from writer paul tobin who did a brilliant dark horror series a few years back called colder for uh, a dark horse as i say with uh, juan ferreira but in this one he's joined by artist andrea muti who we've already uh, spoken about and who who does maniac of new york but for this one this is called bunny mask and uh, this is a brand new number one a new horror series Sealed in a cave before the dawn of man, released by a crazed madman, Bunny Mask walks our world once more. But for what dark purpose does she use her unnatural powers? And what's her connection to B. Foster, a young girl murdered by her father 14 years ago? In order to save his life and his sanity, one man will have to discover the truth of what waits behind that mask. Uh, Paul Tobin and Andrea Muti unleash an eons old legend upon an unsuspecting world, one that will make you a most horrific nightmare feel like a walk in the park. So again, just sounds really great. Love the creative team involved, and uh, just another aftershock title to really look forward to. Yeah, and uh, there's a really nice Charlie Adler incentive cover there too. Ooh. You're becoming Lovely. more and more of a variant guy, Roddy. I tell you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just um, I'm letting the variant folks know. Those variant hunters know. Oh, lovely! And it's, quick as a quick as a blade, I am going to lift you from horror into swashbuckling adventure. Uh, also from aftershock, <laughs> uh, we have uh, the first issue of Seven Swords number one by uh, Evan Doherty and Ricardo Matina, uh, Andy Clark on uh, on cover. And this is we're following a weary and jaded D'Artagnan. Uh, he's drawn into a final conflict with the wicked Cardinal Richelieu whose ruthless quest for power has led him to the supernatural. But the last musketeer can't defeat these infernal enemies alone. To save the world, he'll need to join forces with seven iconic swashbuckling heroes. Uh, Don Juan, Captain Blood, Kirano de Bergerac, to name a few. Seven swords who must overcome their host of differences and work together if they have any hope of thwarting Richelieu's diabolical plans. This is from writer Evan Doherty. He's writer of a screenwriter of such films as Snow White and the Huntsman, Divergent, and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and illustrator Ricardo Martina. And it is high adventure with a cutting edge. And uh, I mean, I'm a, a huge fan of of pirates, a huge fan of westerns, but I'm also a huge fan of uh, of swashing the old buckle. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, really looking forward to this. Hey, is this... <laughs> Brilliant. 
Well, another Aftershock title that just grabs me is uh, they're releasing more and more trade paperbacks at the moment as well. And this was a, uh, a single-issue series I really enjoyed. And hopefully if you like swashbuckling and pirates and westerns, you hopefully like heist as well, heist movies and heist genres. So this was a one that had a really unique twist. This is called Kaiju Score. Uh, it was written by James Patrick and art by Rem Brew. And the uh, the essential thing you need to know about this is it's all about these four people down in their luck trying to plan the perfect heist the only problem is they're trying to pull off this heist during a kaiju attack because this is a world in which kaijus routinely fight and they do it so much that people are able to actually look at their habits and try and plan things around what they do so <laughs> really really fun uh, i think i was the only person in store reading it but sign me up for that um I'm I'm really digging the kaiju stuff more more and more recently. Um, that Ultra Mega, yeah, by uh, James James Harron, yeah. was it? It was fantastic. It was uh, it was the most fun I've had reading a comic in a long time. I think I laughed out loud a few times at it, but it, it was <laughs> funny. But it was absolutely gruesome as well. Um, so that that kaiju score sounds absolutely great. I'll be having having some of that. I think keep those kaijus coming. So. So yeah, so with just a, a couple just to, to wind down with then, there was one that caught my eye again, <laughs> horror again, jeez, I'm starting to worry about myself here, but uh, this is a new Scout Comics um, anthology series, and they do this imprint through Scout Comics called Black Caravan, which is an imprint that deals specifically in horror. There was a really good number one that launched not too long ago called Black Friday, which is all about evil spirits rising during, you know, probably the most evil corporate day of the year, Black Friday. <laughs> Uh, really good first issue, but this one is actually called Tales Told in Techni Horror. So it's a brand new number one. It's going to be four issues in total. So uh, Tales Told in Techni Horror is a biennial horror series that blends the best in horror subgenres, from body shock to grindhouse and more. Each issue contains five short stories from the dark minds that brought you Providence of Madness. Also includes a mini pinup gallery of horrors as well. So. Yeah, just uh, appeals to some of my darker sensibilities, so it does. So, And I love me a good uh, anthology series. Uh, another one that caught my eye, we, we've been talking as well a little bit about Vault Comics and, and some great work they've been doing. And Vault, I think we chatted about it in previous podcast ages ago. It used to annoy me that they used to do these homage covers. But it seems weirdly fitting in this one. Uh, there's a, a Vault vintage uh, homage cover for this title, which is called Barbaric. Uh, good creative team on this with uh, writer Michael Marecki and artist Nathan Gooden. And tell me if some of this sounds familiar, but it sounds just different enough to, to get my interest. Owen the Barbarian has been cursed to do good with what remains of his life. His bloodthirsty weapon axe has become his moral compass with a drinking problem. Together they wander the realm, foredoomed to help any of those who seek existence. But there is one thing Owen hates more than a life with rules, witches. Welcome to the skull-cracking, blood-splattering, mayhem-loving comic brave enough to ask, how can a man sworn to do good do so much violence? Ha, we're just fucking with you. It's just barbaric. Don't ask me why that appeals to me. Owen. <laughs> Owen the Barbarian. I mean, you, you may as well wear your influences on your sleeve, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I just thought that sounded really, really fun. And then just a, a slightly more serious one to finish on for myself anyway. This is from a publishing company called White Owl. And uh, this is called The Creators of Batman, Bob, Bill, and the Dark Knight. 
So this is a hardcover prose novel. It, it more falls under the purview of comics history as opposed to a comic series. But it's written by Rick Worth and uh, the blurb goes as follows. Do you know how artist Bob Kane placed himself at the secret origins of Batman while his co-creator Bill Finger was forced into the shadows? Do you know how comic creators, journalists and family members fought to have Finger credited for his work? The first prose book to focus both on Finger and Kane, the creators of Batman, Bob, Bill and the Dark Knight gathers everything we know about these two monumental figures and lays their stories side by side. Bringing together the story of these two creators against the exciting background of America's comic boom and Batman's golden age. It looks at how Finger and Kane constructed the world of Gotham and its denizens and grapples with the legacy the creators left behind. I think this had your attention as well, Roddy? Yeah, I think that sounds right up all our alleys, to be honest, doesn't it? Mixing in comic history. Yeah, that just... And it's something... something, um, I think people know a lot of the... They don't know the entire of entirety of the lore. They just know like little bits and pieces. So maybe that'll fill some gaps for for me anyway. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I think it'll just be a really interesting look at it. I know for years Neil Adams fought to have, you know, Bill Finger's name associated with, and they still haven't fully acknowledged it. It's always Bob Kane with Bill Finger. It's never mm-hmm. Bob Kane yeah. and so I just think it'll be a really interesting look into yeah. that. That brings an end to the April previews books, DC, Marvel, and Indie. So, as always, the the way previews works is it's always two months in advance. So, the the orders for this are going to be due, I think, by in about four weeks' time. So, just keep an eye on. We'll put the official date out when the, the orders are due. You can get in touch with us via email, coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. You can drop us a message on Facebook Messenger. Or, hopefully, fingers crossed, halfway through the month, you can call in and see us and let us know of any changes to pull lists and so forth as well. So uh, that's going to do it for us today. Nice to have the band back together, gentlemen. <laughs> certainly, certainly was. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, just, it was nice. I know you guys have been keeping it short, but uh, I knew I'd get you over to yours. <laughs> <laughs> just you wait till I edit it, Roddy. <laughs> Yeah, looking down to two hours and ten minutes instead of two hours and twelve. <laughs> but yeah, we like oh, yeah. to be as detailed as possible. Great to have you back, yeah. Roddy. Great to have you back. Thank you. Great to be back. Um, definitely, definitely enjoyed having a wee chat and looking through the the previews. So, and also great to do it, gentlemen. Where we're finished by quarter to two, and we still have our whole Saturday to ourselves. So, thank you very much, as always, gents. Uh, I'll look forward to chatting again. Yeah, yeah. Have a good afternoon. And. Keep on winging it. Oh, he's back, baby. <laughs> <laughs>